Hello and welcome to Media Made, the show in which we year by year explore the movies, music, and TV that most invaded our lives. I'm your host, Spooky Scary Rod, and I'm joined by the Dean, Jess. Homie, don't Dean that. No. <laughs> Sup, Dean. Oh uh, yeah. So typically we talk movies, music, and TV. Today we're just talking TV. Yeah. Uh, sort of. Uh, t- it's our Halloween episode. Ooh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Tell tell me when you're editing that, if that sounded scary. It is the Halloween special special. Yes. You just had the idea of talking about Halloween specials. Yes. Well, I think technically I had the idea of talking about Christmas specials, and you're like, there's lots of specials. (laughs) Yeah, maybe we'll do a Christmas episode, too. Oh, gosh. Um, Typically, like, when we do TV episodes, we talk about TV shows from each year that we've watched the most. Mm-hmm. Like the most in our lives, like hence most invaded. Right. Uh, but we're not doing that. I think we're just doing our favorites, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That one's your favorite? I feel like sort of like it, it, it means the most to me. We will explain. I will explain. It's probably also, I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about oh, So we'll you talk can about. play loud and fast with these yeah. rules? Yeah. It, it is. I, I think they are my favorite. Yeah. Okay. I, can't, I can't, you know. Backtracking. <laughs> I can't think of anything else that like. Scooby Dooby Doos? No. <laughs> uh, we'll talk about my show in the second segment. Oh. Or shows or things. Oh. Yeah, let's talk about mine first. Okay. So this is your favorite Halloween special? Is that- um, I think it's the one that's most memorable. No, okay, because we were doing this. We, you were going through and you're like, what are what Halloween specials did you watch growing up? But I le- legit just can't think of anything. Like, there's none. There's none. My mind was empty. And the only reason I thought about this one is just because I like the show, but these episodes don't necessarily stand out to me. They're not like what I think about when I think about the show, but I really like the show and it does have a Halloween special and that's how that fits here. But the Halloween special is great too. The one we're going to talk about today. Yeah, 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 yeah. What is that show? Is it from NBC? Yes. (laughs) Aired October 28th, 2010 on NBC, written by... Carrie Dornetto, directed by Anthony Hemingway, starring Joel McHale, Jillian Jacobs, Danny Pudi, Yvette Nicole Brown, Allison Brie, Donald Glover, Ken Jong, Chevy Chase, and Jim Rash. That is the community episode, Epidemiology. I grabbed, I grabbed the, uh, the the special Halloween version of the theme song that just has a wolf howl at the end. <laughs> what is community before we even get into it? Community is when a group of people get together and really support each other. Oh, you mean the show, not yes. the definition of the word. Yes. Uh, community is when a group of people get together and support each other in a study group. <laughs> it is a sitcom. It's a, yeah. It's a sitcom that takes place on a maybe fictional community college um, where a group of ragtag people are just trying to get an education. But it's really hard because their school's ridiculous. It is very it's very modern sitcom. Mm. They play with sitcom conventions. It's a little postmodern, very outrageous, like uh, surreal sometimes. Yeah, Uh, there's a lot of like 
themed episodes that just parody a genre or something. You know, mm. they have like documentary episodes. So good. All of it is so good. They have episodes. The, the paintball episodes are the most like, famous, probably yeah, the most well known. They, they parody action films. You know. Yeah. They do a they do a pillow fort episode. Or that a pair is of them. literally hands down my favorite. Ep- the pillow and blanket f- fort things are are my favorite. They're my favorite of all of community. And it's a, it's a parody of the Civil War series where you know like they like, dearest Mary, I've been on the battlefield for, <laughs> for six six months now. <laughs> At least the second half of it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's just like, it's a very fun, loose show. It's a show for the new millennium, really. Mm. Like It's it's a very, very modern sitcom. Yeah. You know, like they're, they were doing things that no one else was, uh, uh, that no one else was brave enough to do on television <laughs> at the time. I mean, that's true. And you really, like, you didn't watch it while it aired. I'm sure you saw the paintball episodes or the D&D episode, but you never really watched it. And when we watched it together, you really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. I I was, I kept hearing about Community on the podcast I listened to at the time, you Mm -hmm. know, when I was listening to podcasts, like in the early 2010s, they couldn't stop talking about how good Community was. (laughs) And a standout episode that was recommended to me was the Dungeons and Dragons episode. Why would they recommend that to you? Well, at the time I was playing a lot of D&D with my friends, <laughs> so I watched that and it was a it was such a great episode. Yeah. Um cuz it, it felt the it's the most authentic to Dungeons and Dragons any TV show has ever gotten, <laughs> you know. And I remember it was like we watched it was like I think me and my D&D friends watched the community episode and then we watched the uh what was that the British one? What's that British show with the, the IT crowd? Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah. a D, D&D episode that was like lame. Uh, and I was like, community's way better. Way better. Um, so it's like I, I liked the episode of community I watched, and then I didn't watch the show itself until we were friends. Did we watch it as friends or did we watch it as roommates? No, we we watched the first season, I think, even maybe when we were dating. Maybe. Doesn't matter. Timeline. We watched it when we were in a yeah, relationship. Yeah. We watched the whole thing together, uh, and it's great. Did you watch the show? Where, where did you discover this show? On TV. I was still wait. What year did this air? 2000? Uh, the Halloween episode aired in 2010. Okay, so... And the show itself, I think, debuted in uh, 2009. Yeah, I, at that point, was in my junior year of college, and I was living in an on-campus apartment, which gave you free cable. Oh. It was the last time I had cable in my life. Interesting. <laughs> and then the internet. <laughs> Hulu. Hulu is where I watched it. Did you Did you watch the Halloween episode after it aired, or...? Yeah, because Hulu, well, yes, yes, because Hulu at that point was the day after. Does Hulu still do the day after it airs or is it they live? U- I, I think they used to. Yeah, they definitely used to, but I don't know if they still do that. I, I th- maybe some shows. Maybe. WWE Depends Raw, I think, uh, airs the next day. <laughs> uh, like, did you, was the, the Halloween episode here like a standout for you? No, I mean, it was, it was interesting. I mean, obviously, it was there was stuff in it that I remembered when I was thinking about Halloween episodes. But no, like it's a good episode. It is, but it's not what stands out to me in the whole of the show. There, are, the chaos episode with the dice, best episode on not my favorite episode because that's the fort one, but literally the best episode that was done. All the paintball. Well, the last one was a little, mm, but all the paintball episodes are so good. The the episodes that are talking about social constructs and like popularity um the episodes dealing with like like uh abed making films like anytime he's making films is great when he just becomes jesus (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and Shirley's having a problem with that, which I mean, sure. Or the mob episode where he's like dealing the, with the, the chicken, chicken, the chicken fingers. Yeah. Like the show itself has so many things where I'm like, I'm sitting here and I'm like, I can remember these wholesale or like different lines and stuff, but it's not that this episode is bad. It's just, it's, 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 it's got, it's got a lot of fight to do to get to the top. I think we're talking gibberish to our listeners who have not seen Community. But watch yeah, it. There, there's a lot of really great episodes. And then once you watch it, you'll hear this and you're like, oh yeah, that was a great episode. <laughs> the episode that was a, like a Goodfellas parody. Yep. But with chicken fingers. Oh my gosh. Um, I remember when this episode aired, I'm talking about the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Um, podcast that I was listening to at the time couldn't stop talking about how expensive the episode probably was oh, gosh, because yeah. of the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, we will talk a bit about why this episode probably cost a fortune for NBC <laughs> to even produce because they had to license a lot of music. Yes. Popular music. And the word Dracula. <laughs> well, Dracula's in the public domain. I don't care that's what why, kind that's of Dracula you, I am. That's how you can get Blackula. Oh, that's fair. And any anything really. Yeah. But let's let, let's jump into the uh, the making of this show uh, br- briskly. You yes, know, I have I have a bit, a bit briskly, of briskly, but we're never going to talk about it again. Yeah, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I got a history of the show and then the history of the the Halloween episodes mm. in general. So here we go. Community was created by Dan Harmon, best known at that point as the co-creator and head writer of Comedy Central's The Sarah Silverman Program. What's he best known for now? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> And as the co-writer for the film Monster House. Oh, that film very scary to me when I saw it in theater. That's probably the first Dan Harmon thing I watched mm. was, was Monster House. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I remember trying to watch the Sarah Silverman program and she's she's very off-putting, mm. <laughs> Sarah Silverman. You know, you she's a great actress in things I've seen, but that show itself is like very like mean. Mm. <laughs> it's very mean-spirited. Got it. And you're like, ah. The world's mean enough. I don't want it in my. Yeah, yeah. Um, but now he's probably best known for as one, the co-creator of Community, mm. but two, the co-creator of Rick and Morty. Oh, I've never heard of that. What's that? <laughs> it's a cartoon. Oh, that's why I'm too adult for cartoons. <laughs> Last month it was just all anime. <laughs> so that's really what he is now. He's like he's the the mm-hmm. Rick and Morty. Half of the Rick and Morty guys. Got it. So Just first r- he was half of the community and now he's half of the Rick and Morty. No, I think he created, no, he created a community wholesale. Okay, okay. Yeah. Rick and Morty, he created with Justin Roiland. Got it. Uh, who's like, I think more the, the brand, the Rick and Morty brand is more so Justin Roiland's, but Dan Harmon brought like the, the veteran's eye to the show. You know, mm. Justin Roiland is just like off the wall crazy <laughs> and he needs to be reined in a little bit. <laughs> Dan Harmon's the guy to do it. All right. Dan, Dan Harmon also is like. He has a D&D podcast, I think, now. Yeah. Oh, ha- okay. Harmon Quest? Is that a, is that a D&D thing? I it's his podcast. He's a podcaster, too. I believe you. Yeah. I have no idea. You know, so it's actually really funny. Um, early internet days, there was a, a like a Flash cartoon about a bunch of D&D characters, uh, D- D&D players. It was like mm. a parody of like a D&D game. And it was like, you know, the, the dungeon master is trying to set the scene. But off in the background, you keep hearing someone scream. I got the Cheetos. <laughs> I got the Mountain Dew. <laughs> like, be quiet. I'm trying to. I'm trying to set the scene. That was that was Dan Harmon. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It was like one of his earliest thing when he was like a, a, a he was part of a comedy troupe or something. Huh. It was like an early internet video, and I remember watching a Flash cartoon. They used sprites from Final Fantasy to tell the story. <laughs> uh, it was like one of the earliest D D things I ever watched, and it turns out that was Dan Harmon. Oh my gosh. So yeah, he's just a weird guy, and he makes weird, weird things. 
fun. Harmon based the premise of community on his real life experiences. In an attempt to save his relationship with his then girlfriend, he enrolled in Glendale Community College, <laughs> Los Angeles County, where they would take Spanish together. Oh. So he joined a Spanish study group, just like the characters in Community. And he britted his girlfriend. Uh, and so, uh, and somewhat against his own instincts, he became close friends with a group of people with whom he had n- very little in common with. He wrote himself as Jeff? He is Jeff Winger, sort of. Mm. And, and, and like, I think Dan Harmon is quick to say, like, he he was probably like he's a very like self-centered person that's like oh. against his you know better judgment. Like, okay, you know Jeff Winger, who's the main kind of the main character of Community at yeah. the start, at least. Yeah, he's like the the audience surrogate at first because mm-hmm. he's he's kind of the straight man at at first for you know? at least the first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he gets drawn into the madness, right? And then he he Jeff Winger, who's a a fancy pantsy lawyer. Uh, who loses his job because he was had, not actually a lawyer. Yeah, he had faked his degree. So he has to go to back to community college to get his degree. Yeah. <laughs> and he joins a study group with a bunch of like colorful characters. Yeah. Uh, you got. <laughs> who, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll meet the characters later. Okay. Yeah. But that, Dan Harmon had a similar situation. That's I want to meet the person Troy was based on. I want to meet the person Annie was based on. I don't know, like, I don't know if they're all based on people that he, like, specifically was in the study group with, but there are characters in Community that are based on real people. Abed is based on a real guy named Abed, who's friends with Dan Harmon. Okay. Who is also very, like, Abed. Okay, if if they're friends, he, like, just wholesale took the name. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. I need to know if a senior Chang exists somewhere. I don't know. I, I need to know if that's based loosely on a person, I'm afraid. Don't or know. the dean. Okay, I get it. I just want to say one thing. I hope that he went to that school and there was a magnitude. I, that's all I hope. I hope somewhere in the world there is really a person that walks around saying pop, pop. <laughs> I want to know if they put a plaque up at Glendale Community College for, <laughs> for, for Dan Harmon and the community crew. I need to look up their mascot right now to see if they are the human beings. No, I doubt it. <laughs> The show debuted September 17th, 2009 as part of NBC's comedy Night Done Right block. Fair. Wait, uh, what else was on? Uh, hold on, hold on. With, with the first season receiving mostly positive reviews and average ratings. <laughs> uh, so NBC was on the decline by the late 2000s. Uh, mm-hmm. They had they had ruled the 90s with yeah. their, uh, not it was in the, what was it? Uh, like Thursday Night block. Comedy block. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what was the name of that? Oh, I have It wasn't no TGIF. That was, that was Friday. That was ABC. Um, Thursday, I have no idea. Must see TV. Huh. That, that was their, their 90s block with Friends and Seinfeld and the other shows that debuted. <laughs> you know. Is Seinfeld must see? It was in the 90s. <laughs> uh, but yeah, by this point, NBC had kind of dropped off. Yeah. Uh, and they were they were lagging in the ratings. They were trying to get their momentum back. And they had this comedy, comedy night done right show i did they have the office they might have had the office like and that that was like another is npc uh peacock yes yes then they 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 have owned the office forever i only know that because i have way too many friends that are office heads office bots does the office have fan names yeah so it looks like uh their their big hits in the late 2000s were the office and 30 rock and then community here but i like two of those shows but like, 
community is like as far as ratings go is not on the level of the office like the office was like overwhelmingly popular yeah which okay sure but that's the thing it's, <laughs> i don't it's, get it it's it, from what i understand the late 2000s like even though nbc consistently put out better shows than the other networks like mm -hmm. better quality critics like their shows better like people like like critics like community critics like the office critics mm -hmm. like 30 rock they were not getting as good a ratings as i think cbs who had extremely safe lame old people shows like mike and molly and uh mm. uh two two and a half men mm. and freaking what's that the big bang theory oh yeah you hate it's like, that show yeah it was like all these other shows like all the nbc shows no laugh tracks all the cbs shows laugh tracks mm, and you do dislike a laugh yeah, track yeah. oh that's interesting yeah that's weird Old people, were, you talked about it. This is the last time you had cable. So yeah, all the, the old people had cable yep. and they were watching shows that reminded them of the, the freaking 80s. Yeah, that's definitely what it is. I, I Extremely safe, like digestible TV shows that didn't challenge them in any way. Whereas like community, they would have watched community. I don't get it. Yeah, they wouldn't have. Whereas our entire, like our generation and, and the people who are a bit older than us had cut the cord and were watching things on the internet. And had um, more of a disdain for higher education. So the jokes landed a bit more. So Community's Halloween episode tradition began with the first season with the episode Introduction to Statistics, which was met with positive reviews from critics. So that episode is kind of like a forgotten Halloween episode mm -hmm. in Community's canon. It, it's like an episode where the, the, the main study group are hosting a Dia de los Muertos uh, party mm -hmm. for Spanish class. But it's a you know it's just like the community college people. It, whereas the the teachers the the staff is it the staff is, is that is that the term at a college? You call yeah, it the uh, professor. Yes. Oh, the faculty. professor faculty. Faculty. The yes. faculty were hosting a more like you know adult focused just Halloween party in the like faculty room or whatever. Mm -hmm. And Jeff is smitten with one of his one of the professors at the college. Yeah. And he's trying to date her, so he just wants to hang out with the grown-ups at the grown-up party. Right. Where he, but you know, he he has to try to also be a good friend by going to the <laughs> study groups party. Try. You know, it's like I re, I was like I remember that episode. It's it's fine. Yeah. But it, it, the only thing is like it it set the tradition. That yeah. Community is gonna have Halloween episodes because that's that's the interesting thing about Community is the season at least when they were allowed to have full seasons. <laughs> Um, it's presented as a whole school year. So right. as you watch the season, you see them go from, you know, month to month. So mm -hmm. like early in the season, it's October because school here right. just started. So we get Halloween episode, we Christmas episode, yeah. you know, and then the new year starts and they talk about having go gone on spring break at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Huh. Which is a nice set form for this show. Yeah. NBC renewed Community for a second season in March 2010, with the season kicking off September 23rd, 2010, with the episode Anthropology 101. That's the one with Betty White, right? Yes. <laughs> because the study group goes from taking a Spanish class together to taking an anthropology class together. Yeah. Uh, season two would receive universal critical acclaim, but would also experience a decline in ratings. Boo. That was the, that was the bad situation that NBC was in. That was what I was hearing about on... Yeah. On podcast was nbc is consistently well regarded by critics and viewers like it's beloved by the small group that watched it but mm -hmm. no one was watching it yeah that, like nbc was not satisfied with the viewers yeah watching it we need the we need the other viewers shut up 
And that brings us to Epidemiology. Season 2's Halloween episode Epidemiology was written by producer Carrie Donetto, her third writing credit for the series after Basic Genealogy. Uh, don't... What is that one? Oh, that's the one with, with uh, Pierce, who is Chevy Chase's old character. Uh, he, his daughter comes oh, to visit. right. His daughter. <laughs> uh, and then she also wrote Contemporary American Poultry, which was the Goodfellas parody with uh, the chicken fingers. You know what I really appreciate about Community? That I haven't looked at a list, but I, all their episodes are what could be classes. Like, that's yes. the title of them, yes. right? Like, that's that's the... The gimmick. The gimmick, yeah. And I love that, but it also is like, good Lord, there could be a class for everything. Like, what about Anthropology 101? Yeah, sure, straight off. But like, modern poultry. Yeah, it was like sometimes they bend the rules a little bit, but yeah, uh, she apparently, like, I guess she had like a an eye for for genre parody. Because, uh, you know, she did the, the Goodfellas parody and here we are doing a zombie movie parody. Yeah. So that, 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 when people talk about epidemiology, it's the community community's zombie episode. Yeah. And think back to the late tw uh, 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, there was a lot of zombie fiction going around. Mm. Zombie movies were huge. Humongous. Zombie land and warm bodies and yeah there was a uh, lot uh, walking dead yeah a whole show about zombies world war z there's a lot of zombies there's a lot of zombie movies. and then uh, video games too it's like left oh, yeah. for dead and uh the last of us and mm. yeah there's a lot of zombie fiction going on at the time uh so it, it is like the perfect spot for a community to make fun of zombie movies <laughs> zombie movie tropes the episode was directed by Anthony Hemingway, known for his work on The Wire, Battlestar Galactica, CSI New York, True Blood, and the film Red Tails. This was his only community credit. Huh. I hope he had a lot of fun. It seems like it. Yeah, so he just seemed like a journeyman director. Like, mm. you know, just go from show to show. Like, you know, hardworking Hollywood type. But that's all I got for epidemiology as far as the run-up goes. Yeah. So let's talk about the episode. <laughs> you look so smiley and happy about this. All right. So uh, hold on. Let me introduce the, the, the show itself real quick. How is it? Pretty good talk on me. I wonder how the dean scored this sweet spread. Ah, Chef Gaga never reveals her caterer. <laughs> and don't try reading my pa 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 poker face. <laughs> It's military rations from an army surplus store. I didn't read your poker face. You left the containers in the garbage. Uh, oh, well, um, you guys have fun. I'm gonna, gonna take out the garbage. Oh, you may also want to adjust your iTunes setting when it's not playing an endless loop of ABBA's greatest hits. It's playing what I think may be your personal voice memos. What? Note to self, get oil changed. Check Netflix for that movie where Greg Kinnear plays a ghost. No, an angel. And something called Human Centipede. <laughs> and that's when the credits roll. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a lot, lot there in that clip. You know, yeah, a lot. You, yeah. Uh, so you, 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 first we meet a few of the main characters. So mm -hmm. Jeff Winger, played by uh, Joel McHale. Yes. Uh, is kind of like the, the straight man who's, who, who calls out the fact that the Dean, played by Jim Rash. The, the Dean! Dean the dean, the dean is is one of the best characters. Yeah, Lady Gaga in this. He mm -hmm. he dresses in drag a lot. A lot. He like a, a common trope in communities for him to walk into the study room and just like dressed in some weird costume yeah. and then say a pun on what he is. Yeah, it's not always drag. Sometimes he's dressed as a giant bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Homie, don't dean this. <laughs> 
Um, and, and Jeff call, calls the Dean out for buying a bunch of food from an army surplus store for the Halloween party that the community is community college is, is hosting that yeah, night. Because he yeah. did not hide the evidence well at all. And then this is the only clip where we're going to hear from Pierce. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he yeah. He does not have very many speaking lines for the episode, <laughs> but Pierce is played by Chevy Chase. Mm -hmm. uh, he's an old racist man. Yes. Uh, old racist sexist, sexist man. man. <laughs> yeah. He's just like a, he's just like the the lovable old bigot in the show. Mm, lovable. No. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it's like the only thing he does in this episode is eat the taco meat. Yeah. <laughs> the tainted taco meat which starts the the main plot. Yes. Um because you need something to turn everyone into zombies. And you also heard Britta, played by Jillian Jacobs. Mm -hmm. uh, she points out that the Dean's Halloween playlist is just a collection of ABBA songs, mm. which is probably why this episode is super expensive. Yes. I mean, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. So th this is the the ABBA episode. So like the, the whole sound, the, ev almost every scene, there's just an ABBA song playing in the background, <laughs> you know, and they go deep. <laughs> Deep, deep cuts. I don't know, just... but I don't know a lot about ABBA. You know, I listened to the 18s and the 90s. <laughs> uh, but that, that's about it, you know. Uh, speaking of uh, how expensive this episode was, uh, apparently this episode ran out of money. Like the budget went over budget. Oh my god! Probably because of the ABBA songs. Yeah. So that special Halloween version of the theme song, because mm -hmm. the theme song to Community features what, what do you what do you call those things? The a cootie catcher. A cootie catcher, like <laughs> you need a little folded paper that yes, you that use. you can decide who you're gonna marry. Yeah, and it's animated and it like shows the cast's characters and they have like little doodles mm -hmm. on them, uh, the cast names. Sorry, and uh, Dan Harmon wanted a. Sp spooky Halloween version of the, the, the theme song. So the animation was changed to feature like skeletons and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. other spooky things, spiders. Uh, but I guess the episode didn't have enough money. The budget wasn't there for, for a special version of the Halloween theme song. So Dan Harmon claimed that he paid out of pocket for the, the changed opening credits himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. Look, if you got a love project, you got to put everything into it. So, yeah, and they get mileage out of it. Every time they have a Halloween episode, they feature this version yeah. of the theme song. So it's very interesting. Yeah. Good job, Dan. Uh, so, yeah, uh, let's let's meet most of the cast here. I got one clip that features the basically Jeff, Britta, and then two new characters, Annie and Shirley. Mm -hmm. uh, we haven't met yet. Uh, it, it features all four of them. So let's okay. get to know them. And they're talking about their costumes. They're all dressed up. Yes. It's Halloween, as one should. Yeah. David Beckham. Mm. Dragon turtle? T-Rex. Man, I wonder how much effort you put into being accidentally handsome for a costume every year. Only half the effort you'll be putting into eating and drinking tonight. Let me help you, dragon turtle. Guys, Shirley's costume is once again unwittingly ambiguous. I don't know what she's supposed to be, but I do know she's not Miss Piggy. I repeat, she is not Miss Piggy. You're on your own. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Guess who I am? <laughs> Um, can't you just say? No. <laughs> no. So something that I like about these community Halloween episodes uh, is that, like, obviously it's Halloween, they dress up. So every year they dress up as, like, pop culture characters yeah. or something interesting. It reminds me of the Homestar Runner Halloween cartoons on the on the website, homestarrunner.com. Uh, every 
for a while they used to do like annual Halloween episodes, uh, and uh, the the characters would dress up as pop culture characters, and it was always fun to see the characters dress up, you know, mm-hmm. as different things. Uh, so it just reminded me of that. Yeah, here in the community. So Jeff is David Beckham. <laughs> Uh, basically, he's just wearing a, a fancy suit. And carrying around a soccer ball. He, ju- he just looks like Jeff Winger. Yep. Uh, Britta is a T-Rex. And, like, it's a minor gag, but she's complaining that she can't, like, pick anything up because her hands are so tiny. <laughs> so Jeff has to, like, hand her food and, and sips of her drink. Yeah. Annie is Little Red Riding Hood. Yes. A little on the nose, but all right. And then <laughs> we don't know what... Shirley is real talk. Did you not know when she came up? I have no idea. Really? But you still don't know? I know now. Okay, we'll get to it. Yeah, but like when they were like not miss. She she just looks like a fairy, like just a generic fairy. She's wearing like a pink dress with a wand and a crown, a tiara. Yeah, (laughs) she is not Miss Piggy. (laughs) It's a good warning. And also, Annie is gonna have to hide for the next six weeks until Shirley definitely forgets that. Uh, next up, we we've got uh, Professor Chang. Is he professor at this point, or has he been demoted? He has not been demoted yet. It's still the first season. Okay, so, no, it's oh, the second. Oh, it's the season. second season. No, he's not been demoted yet, though. Okay, Professor Chang, played by Ken Jong. No, he has been just. He has been. He has been demoted. So he's just Chang now. He's just Chang. He he was their the Spanish professor. He was their Spanish professor, but something happened where he, you know, his credentials were faked or something. So. Much. Like Jeff's. So he basically got fired, I assume. And now he, I think he he just becomes a student. A student. Yeah, he's just he a student. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, he, he walks in. Yes, who I am. Michelle Kwan. Wrong. Krista Yamaguchi. Peggy Fleming. Just been proven racist by the racist prover. He's dressed like a figure skater. There was no way to win that. <laughs> Chang is a agent of chaos at the college. He is. He is chaotic, not neutral. What is it? Chaotic evil. evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he. If if the show if if an episode needs like a villain, it's either Chang or Pierce. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Th- these episodes, like they're this episode in particular, they're both like just victims of yeah circumstance. But the situation uh, is the villain. Yeah. But yeah, Ch- Chang is just like crazy all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he lives in the vents or something. Yeah, he's got fired and he doesn't have a job. So he's got to live in the vents of the school. <laughs> uh, uh, next, let's meet uh, Troy and Abed. Do, 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 do. I have two separate clips, but what, what happens? Troy and Abed are like these lovable goofball characters. Best friends. Yeah, you got Donald Glover playing Troy and Danny Pudi playing Abed. Yes. And they're best friends. Yes. Uh, and how are they introduced in this first or if, how are they introduced in this episode? Saving a damsel in distress. Elaborate. <laughs> they uh, are, I don't know. There's two women. Oh, there's two women just chilling and uh, having a drink. And Abed comes out in his costume, which is a very convincing alien costume. A xenomorph from the film Alien. And, uh, and <laughs> like the, the tacky. And then out comes um, O'Reilly. On his big old, his big old rock'em sock'em, and he gets rid of the morph. Troy is dressed like the like industrial walker at the end of Aliens. So Rip Ripley, uh, Sigourney Weaver gets in this thing, and she has a battle with the Queen Alien. Yeah, and Troy is 
in the walker costume. So he looks like a giant industrial sized walker. And he they have a fake fight and uh, Abed retreats. And here's what uh, Troy says. You're safe now. But if that thing comes back, I'm going to need one or both of your phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't get it. How do you do it? Well, I'm wearing a $6,000 suit, and you spent three days making cardboard robot armor. You're saying they feel sorry for you. I'm saying I remind girls less of taking their little brothers to Comic-Con. I would (laughs) have given him my number. I like he says, like, you're saying they feel sorry for you. Because Troy, uh, his character is a very like he's very naive, like because he's he's young, he's all but he like he he's an ex football player, like a high school football mm-hmm. star, and so like he he wants to be cool, he wants to be hip, but also he's incredibly goofy, yeah, and naive, yeah. And him and Abed like they bring the best out of each other because they're yeah. just so they're just best friends. But Troy also I think gets uh, insecure about him his coolness sometimes. Yeah. Because he's just out of high school, and that was the most important thing when you were in high school. (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Freaking Jeff, always ruining, trying to ruin Troy and his small boy innocence. Corrupt him. Because Jeff is is a cynical old man. He's terrible. And Troy kind of looks up to Jeff a little bit. Why? But so this is one of those episodes where uh, I think the, the biggest character, or character like uh, subplot in this episode is. Abed and Troy's relationship having a little bit of friction because Troy wants to be cool, you know, whereas, Ab, you know, him and Abed, like they put this themed costume together. It's kind of very, very nerdy mm-hmm. uh, and, and it kind of contradicts the the persona that Troy is trying to set up for himself. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like a sw- cool ladies man type guy. Mm-hmm. Where's your costume? Try something new. But our costumes go together. And if you're not in yours, I'm just a guy in a spandex suit and a bike helmet. Well, I'm a sexy Dracula. You mean vampire. I don't need to know which Dracula I am to be a Dracula. Nerd. Nerd. What, what is his costume? Because he, he he hastily puts together a... F- it's disgusting. That's what it is. <laughs> he go, I, I can only assume he walked into the bathroom, threw away his, uh, his aliens costume, Ugh. and basically got one of those toilet seat covers from the bathroom. Yep. Draped it over his his neck, wrote the word Dracula on it, and has some like toilet paper wrapped around his arms. So he's nasty. So now he's a sexy Dracula. No, he's uh, a diseased Dracula. But he's like just shirtless. Like, so it's just like, you know, Troy gets to be a shirtless man at the party. (laughs) Uh, And that, I think, hurts Abed's feelings. Yeah, as it would. It would hurt my feelings. And I'm not sensitive. We don't get to see it a lot in this episode, but Abed's character is very uh, uh, postmodern. Like he's he's self aware that he's in a television show. Sometimes, I'm pretty sure that's because he's autistic, though. It, it, yeah, <laughs> so I, I think yeah he, I think he, he like that's the thing. He he's special needs, but like it's mostly just him pointing out TV tropes that are happening. In yeah. in each episode. You yeah. Know? So if something seems incredibly cliche about the plot of an episode, Abed's the first one to point it out. Oh God, it's gonna be a bottle episode. Yeah, like the whole <laughs> there's a bottle episode <laughs> where they're stuck in one room, and Abed points it out as a bottle episode. <laughs> uh, so that that's what he does. It doesn't really happen too much in this. There's yeah. one magic moment at the end which I will play. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's jump into the 
the plot, the conflict. Okay. What what starts happening? Um, people start getting really high fevers and not being able to really stand. But I I can't tell you exactly. Let's get a doctor's opinion. Rich, more? Put her with the others. 102. This may be food poison. Rich, what did I tell you? To rule out food poison. Yes. But also not to say the words out loud. Who wants to walk my plank, huh? I'm ruling out food poisoning. I just love like the direction here is scream in each other's faces over and over. Don't laugh or we're going to do it again. Uh, Allison Brie is <laughs> there's a shot of her like so what ha what happens is uh they 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 have all the people who are feeling sick quarantined mm -hmm. over there on the side and uh Pierce is like patient 0. Mm -hmm. So Chevy Chase is like feeling really sick and he's getting pale in the face and he's looking very feral. And a character named Starburns walks over. He, he's called Starburns because he, his, his, his sideburns are shaved in the shape of stars. Yep. Um, and that, that's the guy who walked by. He's dressed as a pirate. Who mm -hmm. wants to walk my plank? And Pierce reaches for his arm, grabs it, and starts to bite him yeah. like a zombie would. Huh. But there's a shot of they're, they're screaming and Starburns <laughs> is screaming in pain. And it's a shot of that happening. And then... Annie, Allison Brie standing to the side and she's just screaming and staring at them. And she's very funny. Like, Allison Brie's a funny lady. Yeah. Uh, so uh, not food poisoning. Something a little bit crazier. Well, we did rule out food poisoning. Yeah, so something about the army surplus taco meat that the Dean bought uh, is not right. No, it is. I guess technically it is food poisoning, but it's like Food poisoning. <laughs> that's the thing. It's not even taco meat, as we learned. Uh, but the only people getting sick are the ones eating what I bought at your surplus store. Uh, look, ma'am, I never said the stuff was delicious, but you can't get sick from it. It's non-perishable. What about the taco meat stuff? The what? The classic flavor? Huh? The one with the goofy label. Here. What's goofy label? What are you... Classified Phoenix. If found, repeat key phrase. Echo Tango X-Ray 997. Yeah, sounds delicious. Anyway, it looks like taco meat and... Hello? Greendale Community College. Speaking. This is Special Operations Officer McHenry. Hi. <laughs> I need you to listen to me very carefully. So it's some kind of government-issued uh, special... Weapon. Yeah, like biological, biological weapon. Yeah, or something. Biological like test material. Also, if it looks like taco meat, did he warm it up? He might have. Okay. Yeah, so anyone who eats the taco meat starts to feel sick and uh, turned into a zombie. Yes. And then anyone who... Oh, any, so we learned that it's not just the taco meat. Anyone who's bitten also turns into a zombie. Yes. Science. How much of that taco meat stuff did you eat, Starburst? I didn't eat any. <laughs> My name is Alex. Whatever it is must have transferred through Pierce's bite. Oh my god, I think you're right. Yeah, you make quite a little nurse. Thank you, Rich. <laughs> you're quite a banana. <laughs> Jeez, why don't you guys just get a More, uh... More top 10 uh, uh, screams from Allison Brie. <laughs> 10 stars. Uh, yeah, so 
it's a zombie plague. So anyone who's bitten becomes a zombie. Yes. And Starburns becomes a zombie because he was bitten by Pierce. Um, and uh, so ensues chaos. Guys, there's some kind of infection at the party that's making people act weird and bite each other. We need to coordinate an orderly evacuation without causing unnecessary pain. Holy crap, Lennon's a zombie! Zombie attack! Zombie attack! It's just... Now it's a full-on zombie movie. Yeah, So it's just them doing the zombie movie tropes for the rest of the episode. Yeah. And they're, they're trapped in the study room as zombies are trying to break down the door. They're trying to barricade and a la resident evil <laughs> or night of the living dead or anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, so they're, they're stuck in the study room and they're trying to figure out what to do next, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and they're, they're trapped in there with ABBA songs cause they can't stop the playlist. So <laughs> they just have to listen to ABBA while this horrible thing is happening to them. Those people don't have six hours. Judging from the temperatures of those infected, then three hours they're going to start suffering from brain damage. Three hours after that, they're going to be dead. What? We have to do something for them. Do something for the zombies. We lower the temperature of the whole building. Would it break the fever and kill the virus? It might. I know where the thermostat is. Out there on the wall. Troy, we have to rise to the occasion like Ripley and kick Monster Butt in our undies. I'm not Ripley, Abed. I'm a cool, sexy Dracula. I make love to ladies and I survive. I'm with Troy. Guys, those are not zombies. Those are our classmates and they're sick. And they can make us sick by biting us. The banana said so. It's true. <laughs> the banana, the banana says, said so. I like the, it's like, we gotta go fight evil with our undies, in our undies. <laughs> that's what, that's what uh, Sigourney Weaver does. Uh, Abed has the right of it. Though, I mean, like, let's be honest. I, if I was if I was in this real situation, I'm I'm with Jeff. <laughs> We're gonna stay here, thanks. Well, it it becomes a like a very tropey zo- zombie apocalypse moment yeah. where they're trapped in one small space, and it's revealed that one of the survivors has been bitten, and and, and now they have to. So Night of the Living Dead that happens. There there's there's a family in the basement I believe that has been bitten, and they slowly turn. Oh, and no. it becomes tense because it's like, oh, wow, there's, you know, not only danger on the outside trying to get in, there's danger on the inside, too. Did they kill him? I think so. Ooh. The incubation only takes minutes. First, you get a stomach ache, then your skin turns red, followed by cold sweats, muscle spasms, high fever, then the uncontrollable urge to bite on infected flesh. Oh, jeez. I forgot one symptom. Slurred speed. <laughs> <laughs> felt like maybe I was special. Special? You're not special. I'm special. I was bit 10 minutes ago and I'm... Oh, great. Nobody's special. Hey, Rex, just so you know, I hate you less now. That's how much I hate your normal self. <laughs> Britta and uh, the, Rich. The, the doctor. The banana The banana. <laughs> have become zombies, so now uh, they have to just get out of there. Yeah. And, and and like the, they pack a lot in because it's a twenty minute episode. Yeah, like it's it's just an episode of you know a TV. Uh, so like there's not a lot that happens from this point to the end, but it's just like you know the they they the the unrest because there are now two zombies in there with them mm-hmm. causes them to all freak out. Uh, the zombies break through the the window. Mm-hmm. They get Annie. 
and like the last group of survivors have to run like run out of the study room and they're like trapped in a it's like a maintenance closet i guess yeah like a janitor's closet yeah and they're trying to find the exit uh, they get separated they get so they get yeah they do the party just get separated for the party D and D they get separated um but you know safe havens some people so, end well, up okay so we'll talk about Jeff Troy and Abed who are in the janitor's closet in a second but the other two remaining members of the party are Shirley and Chang where, where do they hide out the bathroom and nothing spectacular happens. It's Miss Piggy! You're not Miss Piggy. You're Glenda the Good Witch. Hi! You know? Just so you know, I've always loved Peggy Fleming. You're not racist. <laughs> they just start kissing. <laughs> I guess as you would do in your final moments before zombies eat you. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, sir. But yeah, that's the, the conclusion of that subplot of, you know, everyone. Or is not... it the beginning of a subplot? <laughs> it's the beginning of another subplot. Because <laughs> this happened, you were like, oh no, this is the episode where they do it. <laughs> I think like that's one of the things I really like about Community. It's so episodic and ridiculous and episodes really don't connect, but they do. In, like, they have the long running jokes. In the weirdest ways, yeah. Yeah. Like the only thing to come out of this episode after the status quo is reestablished is th the fact that Shirley and Chang uh, had, had relations had, had relations in the bathroom during <laughs> the zombie attack. And it's a it's a plot point at some point because um, spoilers. Should I say it or should I let the kids find out for themselves by watching? Uh, well, let's wait on it. Okay. And then the other half of the party, uh, Troy, Abed, and Jeff, are trying to escape through a like a little basement window. Yeah. In the janitor's closet. Well, they're not trying to escape. They're trying to fight a cat. Jeff is. <laughs> yeah, there's a zombie cat that they have to deal with. And then the zombies are able to break into the janitor's closet. And yeah. like, they're trapped. Yeah. And it's like only one can get out. Yeah. So we, we get this moment where where Abed pulls an Abed and does the, you know, call out the trope. Mm. Go. I'm not going without you. Troy, make me proud. Be the first black man to make it to the end. Go, 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 go. I love you. I know. Make a mess. No! They even had a Star Wars reference. Yeah. I love you. I know. Oh gosh, the show is so geeky. I love it. And that the, the the joke about the black person never getting to the end. That's a horror movie trope. Like yeah. Not just zombies. Yes. Uh, but I will say in Night of the Living Dead, I think the black man is the last one to survive. Good job. Until he doesn't. Oh, well. That That's the twist at the end of Night Everybody of the Living Everybody dies. Yeah. Oh, spoilers. Well, Night of the Living Dead is like, ex the, the, the last like second is especially troublesome. Ooh. Yeah. Well, if, you, if you've seen it, you know it. what I'm talking about. Nope. Uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, Troy is the last survivor. He gets out and... Uh, He's able to basically run into the the library and turn the thermostat down so that everyone can uh, chill out and be less zombie. 
He can cure everybody. Yeah. With the thermostat. So kids, just in case you didn't know, that's how to cure zombies. AC. Speaking. Wow, six hours on the dot. Yeah, well, practice makes perfect. You the only witness? I am. Hey, we got an infected in here. How many are we talking? I think it might be all of them. All right, scenario B. Repeat, scenario B. Let's dose these suckers. Dose what now? Dose. So the feds show up and they just start spraying everybody. Uh, like, forget me, yeah. juice. <laughs> Knockout spray that also takes memories away. It's much like... All the men in black. Yes, that movie you've never seen. Won't let me remember. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, and, and and that's how the episode wraps up? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just forgot. Like, so when Troy is like running into the, the, the library to, to turn the thermostat down, like he ends up getting bit and he's, you know, basically just trying to fight <laughs> off his infection while he gets the thermostat. Yeah. He's like, okay. Okay. I'm bit. <laughs> yeah. Like he gets frustrated because they keep biting him. He's like, All right. Okay. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> that's a funny moment. Uh, I think Troy might be your favorite character. Troy, like, Donald Glover is great. I, I wish he acted more. Yeah. In things I've seen. I mean, you could watch Atlanta, but I think it would be too much for you. Might be. But he's so good at, like, comedy. Like, he doesn't really do comedy very much anymore. Yeah. You know, sometimes artists move out of phases. Also, you know, actors are all weird. <laughs> uh, and then the episode wraps up where everyone uh, forgets what happened at the party. They don't know that there was a zombie attack. No. And uh, everything cleanly wraps up. I can't believe that somebody would mass roofie an entire party. I can't believe it wasn't me. I can't believe I believe you. <laughs> and I don't. Wanna watch a movie? Sure. Aliens, cyborgs, or zombies? I don't know why, but I'm kind of over zombies. Yeah, I don't feel like anything action heavy. How about something light? You see Marmaduke? And Marmaduke. so Troy and Abed went Down. back to the dormitory cool. for cool. a viewing of Marmaduke. I'm George Takei, and if your name is Kevin, here's a little freebie for your cell phone. Hi, Kevin can't come to the phone. He's on a spaceship with me, George Takei. <laughs> Please leave a message. You're welcome, Kevins. Happy Halloween. I forgot they. Yeah, this George, is a very expensive episode. Yeah, George Takei is like the narrator for some reason, and he <laughs> only does the the opening and the end there. Yeah, that's it. Like he doesn't narrate anything else. It's like it seems like needless, <laughs> but it is funny. It is. He, 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 Kevin can't come to the phone right now. He's on a spaceship with me, George Takei. I mean, you know, if you're going to make something, make it all the way. So and a Halloween episode does need a narrator. I guess so, yeah. And it's like if you can't, you know, they couldn't get Vincent Price, so yeah. they, they get George George <laughs> Takei. Uh, but that's that's the end of the that's yeah. the end of Community Epidemiology. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you should watch it and then come back and re-listen to this so you can understand everything we're saying. Yes, I highly recommend it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and, and it's it's kind of a standalone episode. You don't need a whole lot. You don't need a whole lot of background to watch mm -hmm. this episode. You just watch it. So yeah, you know, you'll immediately figure out the like. If you're listening to this on Halloween, you know, and uh, he, I want to, I want a show to watch on Halloween night. You can watch this. Yes, it's not scary even a little bit. And then there's a uh, a, pro, a post credit scene because mm. there there's always a post or there's there's always a, a a credits scene in Community. Yeah, and they typically just feature Troy and Abed. Yeah, Troy and Abed in the morning. morning. Uh, but this one just is Troy, mm. and he gets a voicemail. <laughs> voicemail. 
is the question of the hour. Why did you call me? <laughs> and, and somehow the only thing to come out of the Halloween episode that's of any importance for the rest of the show is the fact that Chang and Shirley did it. Yep. And, and it becomes a, a thing. It's a thing that we wish everyone there's, there's, would forget. <laughs> there's, there's at least one episode that deals with this specifically. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it, it's so weird that that's the thing to come right. out of it. Right, we don't get to like Abed and Troy don't remember how they saved the day. They don't. They don't remember any of those things. What we remember is this. <laughs> <laughs> so, yep. Look forward to that. <laughs> do what? Watch Community. You can find out what happens. Yeah, do it. Seriously, do it. I'm not pre pressuring you. Just do it. But what did the world think? Epidemiology was not a ratings winner. <laughs> With a 2.4 rating in 1849, the episode was the least watched non-reality component of NBC's comedy night done right for that evening. Wow. Only The Apprentice, a reality show, scored lower. Well, yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, so they at least beat uh, Mr. Former President. <laughs> just want to point that out, you know, like 10 years ago. He was a, he just did reality TV. Like, that's what he did. In a completely different note, I want to now know what holiday, what October special, Halloween specials came out that year that were better than Community. Who knows? Better, like, that's the thing. Like, did, did, the, did The Office even do a Halloween episode? Or was it just a normal episode of The Office that did better? Right. That's... Don't know. But despite the ratings uh, failure, epidemiology received universal critical acclaim with many critics naming it one of the series' best. Mm. Fair. The Atlantic, for example, said, quote, Communities on a roll with episodes torn straight from the reels of classic movies this season. And last night's Halloween episode lifted the show to new heights. Mm. And Paste Magazine said, quote, Community gets things so, so right. This is one of those special episodes that really pushed the boundaries of the show. Yeah, yep. I agree. It is great. It is. And where did Community go from here? Where? Community would continue its Halloween episode tradition with season three's horror fiction and seven spooky steps, which is a an anthology yeah. uh, spooky story episode where each character tells a spooky story uh, and they kind of act out. Yeah. You know, there's like a slasher movie uh, parody. I think there's they're like all a, spl slasher movies told through the Well, there's like, the a, like a mad scientist little oh, story. Yeah. Of <laughs> there's one that's Shirley's story is just a parody of like uh, Christian propaganda, yeah. uh, uh, satanic panic <laughs> style uh, videos. <laughs> and uh, also season four is Paranormal Parentage. Mm -hmm. Though that episode aired in February because NBC delayed the premiere. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah, and Paranormal Parentage is a murder mystery. Or no, it's, it's like a Scooby-Doo parody, really. Yeah. It's yeah, like a Haunted was... House mystery parody. It's okay. We tried to watch it and then we got bored. <laughs> it's not the best one. It's definitely not the best one. We watched the best one. Community's fifth season, a half season that aired January to April 2014, and the sixth season, which aired exclusively on Yahoo screen, yep. did not have Halloween episodes, no. unfortunately. Yeah, so. I did watch it on Hollywood, Yahoo screen, though. 
Yeah, the the, la- the season four had the last community Halloween episode, unfortunately. So they didn't carry on the tradition because they never aired on Halloween anymore. Yeah. Though never explicitly canceled, community effectively came to an end after season six. Uh, when the remaining cast contracts expired and Yahoo shuttered its screen service. <laughs> yeah. So we're technically between seasons right now? because Sort of, yeah. I don't, I, it was like, it's, it's, it's canceled, but I guess they never really, like, mm. announced it as such. That's fair. But yeah, like, not only, like, you know, did most of the cast, like, just go on to do other things, you know. By this point, Donald Glover had kind of retired from acting for a while just mm-hmm. to focus on his music career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chevy Chase had a very controversial ousting from the show. Yeah. Uh, he was let go. Uh, I think that Nicole Brown had left the show by this point. So oh, yeah. Sh- Shirley was gone. She was gone by four. She was an in five. Yeah. Like they, and they had like other characters replace them. Like yeah. Keith David plays a character. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like community was done after six seasons. Yeah. Uh, but community had a catchphrase. You know what it was? Six seasons and a movie, baby. Six seasons and a movie. Like uh, 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 Abed would constantly spout that off. Yeah. Talk about how we need six seasons and a movie. Thus, talk of a community movie has been floating around since 2014. True. But nothing seemed concrete until (gasps) September 2022 (gasps) when streaming service Peacock announced that they had ordered such a film. Oh, my gosh. Dan Harmon and Andrew Guest will write the film while Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Allison Brie, Jillian Jacobs, Jim Rash, and Ken Jong are all set to return. While Donald Glover, Yvette Nicole Brown, and Chevy Chase are still unconfirmed. Mm. Uh, but uh, Dan Harmon, like, I, I think he did like a panel or an interview recently, and he said he is confident that Donald Glover will return. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I think he, he said that something along the lines of the only people who have been announced are the people who are under, like, currently. Like the contracts are written, you know, like they're, they're signed on. Got it. You know, but that doesn't mean that the other cast members who haven't been announced as part of the cast have declined. Like, it's not like they're not going to be there. Yeah. It's just, they haven't like put pen to paper yet. But he also did say that he's not, he's not sure that Chevy Chase can even legally appear in the movie. Yeah. Because I think there's like, there's restraining orders involved in his relationship because Dan Harmon and Chevy Chase had a very public falling out. Yes. So, yeah, yes. don't count on Chevy Chase, but Donald Glover to vet Nicole Brown. I, I think they're going to try real hard to get them. They in need there. to be there. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, I think it'd be so interesting because they've all done such different things or have stepped away completely for such a long time that falling back into these characters is going to be interesting. Like, I feel like some will be easier than the others to do. I think Troy is going to take on a lot of Donald Glover's like real life, like. He's gonna. Uh, he's been wandering the world, and now he's like. Yeah. Oh. He's gonna come back as a childish Gambino character, you know. Maybe. Well, he's like a grown up. You know? Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. But that is all I've got for a community. You have any parting words on that? Pop pop. <laughs> pop pop. <laughs> um. Yep. So, your choice. You want to close out with an ABBA song? Yeah. What ABBA song you want to close out with? Francisco. Okay. Is that is that the name of the song? Fran. It's not Alejandro. No, that's Lady Gaga. It's Franco. That, that, Alejandro but Lady Gaga would have worked too, or Poker Face, because the Dean is Lady Gaga. But I am cool with Abba's... Franco, Francisco, Frederico. There's an F in the name, and it's a one name. 
Fernando. Fernando. Alejandro <laughs> and Fernando. Let's do a mashup. Go. Well, Lady Gaga says Fernando and Alejandro. <laughs> Fernando. <laughs> Just played that part. <laughs> no. Okay, we're going to close out with Fernando by ABBA. And we'll be back after the break with my Halloween special. Hey, hey, hey. messages it's scary how funny new halloween comedy is next thursday on nbc ah! and just wait till you see who all shows up guess who i am michelle kwan racist peggy fleming McGruber! i am popeye just after we retired from the navy and took a desk job in corporate america i'm you don dempsey where's football is this safe to eat and the whole night starts with a new Shrek special, Scared Shrekless, along with Community, The Office, and Outsourced. Next Thursday on NBC. The end. I mean, it's it's spooky season. It's it's Halloween. You better do it, or all your nightmares will come true. Yeah, you know, it's it's it's, it's an ultimatum. Terrifying. Trick or treat is not a request. It's it's an <laughs> ultimatum. Uh, that is the song "Trick or Treat" parentheticals for Halloween by the Mellow Men. Uh, from one of my things for this episode. <laughs> yeah, one of his things. Yeah, so sort of like your story from, because you, you said you had trouble trying to decide what your like Halloween special yeah. is, you know, like your favorite or what, Any, you, what you I've identify seen. as, yeah. something you enjoy, you know, and I, I was struggling too. Because when I really started thinking about it, I was like, I don't like a lot of Halloween specials. And the ones I have, I do like, I've only seen like once. Yeah. Like, um, I like uh, Over the Garden Wall. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, what, what was it? Uh, it was the, uh, the the Halloween special from uh, uh, Gravity Falls. Oh, yeah. With the, they go the into bad a, candy. They the... go into a spirit Halloween and it's like a joke. <laughs> yeah. Like, I liked that, but I've only seen those things once. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was like, man, what 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 is like what would I consider like my favorite Halloween special, mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, you know, one, one that I enjoy, but also one that like, I like identify with, you know, I have like nostalgia for 
you know? And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know. <laughs> like I mentioned the, the, the Homestar Runner Halloween specials and I was like, maybe those, oh, you know, yeah. one of those. I'm glad but that even, that's not what we landed even on. that I would like, I've only seen, you know, once or twice, maybe each one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought like, I've probably like the, the Halloween special I've seen the most is probably SpongeBob, which SpongeBob shaves his head and becomes a ghost. I've never. I've and I'm like, even that one, I'm like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I don't really think, whatever, you know, I have no like fondness for it. Invader Zim. Eh. So I was really struggling. Mm-hmm. And then I was like thinking back. I was like, okay, when I was a little kid, like what, what was my Halloween like? Right. Like what were my holiday, Halloween traditions? And I remember for probably the first 10 years of my life, I remember going trick or treating. You know, like we dress up, we go trick-or-treating on Halloween night. We we get our candy. Mm-hmm. We come back home. Dad checks the candy. Make sure that, you know, there are no There's razor no blades razor or something. Blades. <laughs> that's a lie, by the way. I know. I was like, that that's like an urban legend. Like, it's never happened. Yeah. Um. Anyway, and then I would maybe eat like a few pieces of candy and then I'd go to bed. And every single Halloween, while I'm going to bed, I would fall asleep to a TV special that ran on the Disney Channel. And I always thought that the Disney Channel for Halloween night was just airing like classic Disney Halloween cartoons. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about today on Media Made. Uh, My shows are classic Halloween Disney shorts. Yep. And I thought that Disney, the Disney Channel were just airing these, you know, Mm -hmm. in succession because that that was, you know, what they would do. Yeah. Yeah. But they weren't just doing that. They were airing a... TV special from 1983 called a Disney Halloween. Oh. And what it, it was a clip show type thing mm-hmm. where they would not only air classic Halloween shorts, like the ones we're going to talk about today, but also like scary clips from uh, different Disney movies, like Spotlight on Villains, like Maleficent and, oh, right, right. and uh, Captain Hook and, and all these. So it was like this long like TV special, like it's two hours long. And it was hosted by the Magic Mirror from Snow White. <laughs> and I rem- like I, I found it. It's on YouTube. And I found it. And I was like watching it. I was like, oh, my gosh. You're not going to make us watch it on Halloween, are you? No. Maybe. No. Maybe. Now did you think about it. It's a Monday. I've got work. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's it. Like, so I, I was like, we're not going to watch a two-hour special. Thank I'm not going to put you through that. Appreciate um, it. So off the top of my head, I thought, okay, what were like the three shorts that I remember the most? And uh, that are kind of representative of like Disney's catalog, you know, mm-hmm. like classic period from like, you know, the 20s to the 50s. And I chose three. And just by happenstance, those are the last three from the special. <laughs> like it was just coincidence. Yeah. You know? So it was just like I remember watching the last three, the ones we're going to talk That's about today. That's when you got back home. <laughs> yeah. I also considered maybe doing the uh, the Sleepy Hollow segment from uh, mm. Ichabod and Mr. Toad. But that's a little too long. It's like 45 minutes. It is long. And I think when you rewatch it, you're like, hmm, Ichabod's kind of a creep. Yeah. Ichabod sucks. But yeah, that was also a part of that special was mm. the uh, Sleepy Hollow segment of that movie. Okay. Uh, but we're going to talk about three classic Disney shorts. Halloween Disney shorts. All right. For spooky season. Spooky. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Disney boy. You know that. Mm-hmm. You know. So it's like I remember watching these a bunch and then like a few years ago, uh, the podcast Laser Time uh, did a like, I guess the host Chris hosted a uh, it was like a like a, sh- a Halloween cartoon uh, showcase at his local movie theater, 
and he filmed it and put it online and he showed a lot of these classic shorts mm -hmm. and it reminded me of how much I enjoy these. So, <laughs> yeah. So I know who to blame for this. So, yes, classic Disney shorts. We got three, one from each era of Disney's classic period. All right. And uh, <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about. So the first one we're going to talk about released August 22nd, 1929. Why in August? Yeah. All right. <laughs> With music by Carl W. Stalling, animated by Ub Iwerks, and directed by Walt Disney, The Skeleton Dance. What kind of name is Ub? spooky <laughs> don't be scared kids when you hear that in your ear right now uh so i have a, a you know a, a little bit of history on each of those cartoons like okay. kind of like to, to frame where the disney company was at the time of their uh, release all right uh and uh this was like this is actually a very important cartoon for disney's history uh you know it, it, it's like right there with another classic disney cartoon that was released like months before. I don't know years. Are you guessing? Here we go. So uh, we're oh. going to go back in time. Okay. 1923. Almost 100 years ago. That it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So Disney's going to turn 100. Oh, yeah. They're tomorrow, putting all next that year. on there. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. It could be tomorrow. American cartoonist Walt Disney and his older brother Roy founded the animation studio Disney Brothers Studios. Ah. The former had already found minor success with the Laugh-O-Gram fairy tale short series. So, yeah, that was that was what old Walt was doing. Laugh-O-Gram. Okay. Laugh-O-Gram. Like sending laughs through grams? It was just like a short, it was just like, you know, silly symphonies, but uh, it was like a, you know, just a, a brand of short films, you okay. know, fairy tales. The company's earliest successes were the live-action animation hybrid series Alice's Wonderland Ooh. and the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit shorts. Okay. You heard of Oswald? No. He's like the proto Mickey Mouse. Okay. Uh, he has long forgotten because, uh, as we'll talk about, it was stolen from Walt Disney. Oh. <laughs> the property. And it was like hidden in a vault. And <laughs> Disney only like within the last 15 years got Oswald back. Oh my gosh. Is yeah. that why Disney has its own vault now? I don't So like... There, there was a whole thing. It's like they, I think like ABC Disney, they traded a real person, like a sportscaster to another network so that they could gain the rights to Oswald Beck. That's strange. Because he was like Walt Disney's earliest character. Oh. Uh, you know, he's like Mickey Mouse's older brother. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then they started a video game together. <laughs> Epic Mickey. Oh my gosh. You can buy Oswald uh, merch at Disneyland now. Oh, okay. Well. Yeah. Now I'm just going to Google what Oswald looks like. He looks like Mickey Mouse with ears, like long ears, bunny ears. You may continue. Following a business dispute with Universal Pictures' Charles Mintz in 1928, Walt lost most of his animation staff to Universal's new animation studio as well as the Oswald character. Ooh. Yeah. Did it like literally, did somebody who worked there took it with them? Or? Like, it was like Universal had the rights to it because Disney created it under their umbrella. Uh, and when they said, hey, we're starting a new studio. We don't need you, Walt. We'll just take your staff and your characters. We don't it. need you. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And so it was just kind of like taken from him, meaning he was let go and everyone left his studio to go join Universal. Oof. Well, yep. I mean, it allowed you to live your dream. That was the kick in the face you needed. The only animator to stick by Disney was longtime collaborator Ub Iwerks. Literally, what is an Ub? 
Ub, Ubi? He should go by Ubi, not Ub. Ub, Iwerks. <laughs> Desperate for a replacement for Oswald, Disney and Iwerks very soon developed a new character named... Marsha. Mickey Mouse. Oh, that was going to be my next guess. Yeah, so they're just like, Oswald, just take it from us. Let's just make Oswald, but he's a mouse now. Smaller ears and a tail. Within six months of the Universal falling out, Disney developed the first two Mickey shorts, Plain Crazy and The Gallopin' Gaucho. Ah. Yeah, so most people, they think the first Mickey Mouse cartoon is... Steamboat Wilson? It's not Steamboat Willie. Mm-hmm. That is the first sound cartoon. Ah. It is the first sound, uh, sound Mickey, car- Mickey cartoon. Uh, Plain Crazy is Mickey Mouse's debut, as well as Minnie Mouse. She's also ah, there. Yeah. So both together. Yep. Two for one special. Neither short secured a distributor after initial test screenings, though. Aww. So that's it's kind of in a hazy period. Mm. You know, they were produced before Steamboat Willie, but they didn't get a distributor until after Steamboat Willie. Okay. But Disney's fortunes changed with the release of the aforementioned Steamboat Willie, which took advantage of the brand new innovation of synchronized sound and film to become the first post-produced sound cartoon. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure we've all seen Steamboat Willie. I know I did. I've definitely seen it at the very beginning before they like make it a small circle yeah. and then that's that's it's all part I've of seen. like it's part of the Walt Disney Studios like uh production logo intro yeah, thing. Yeah. That's literally I haven't seen the whole thing. It's a parody of Steamboat Bill, which is a song um, from Disney's childhood. Okay. Old and old. Yes. Disney li- like you'll notice like Walt Disney likes to just like call back to his childhood in the 1900s, you know? Like Among it, us don't. Yeah, I know. Is it, but like Main Street USA and Disney is just probably just his hometown. His hometown mm-hmm. in nine, you know, from 1900 to 1910, what yeah. it was like when he was a little boy. <laughs> he just wanted to be. He was. He was Peter Pan. He wanted to be a little boy forever. Just like Michael. <laughs> just like Michael. Nope, we cut it. <laughs> Michael had a house. Uh, Michael had a home at Disneyland. Disneyland as well. <laughs> oh yes. For Steamboat Willie, Disney signed a contract with Pat Powers to use his Powers Cinephone recording system. And Cinephone became the distributor of future Mickey Mouse cartoon. Two notes on that. Yep. One, Pat Powers is a much better name than Ub. Two, you really should have gone with a different name for your thing. It was Cinephone. A- <laughs> it was like, I think that was the thing to make uh, synchronized sound happen. Yeah. So. And that brings us to the skeleton dance. During Steamboat Willie's production, Disney approached friend and composer Carl W. Stalling to compose scores for the first three Mickey Mouse cartoons. Plain Crazy and the Galloping Gaucho would later be released as sound cartoons. Ah. Yeah, so it was his buddy, hey, compose music for my cartoons. Stalling proposed to Disney a series of, quote, musical novelty cartoons uh, combining music and animation, Hmm. which would become Disney's popular Silly Symphony series. Ah. So you've heard of Silly Symphonies? I have because of a podcast I listen to. Have you heard of... This one. Have you heard of... Looney Tunes. Yes. Looney Tunes and their sister short series, uh, Merry Melodies, is a parody of Silly, Silly Symphonies. Symphonies. Yeah. But yeah, like Silly Symphonies was like, so Disney had Mickey Mouse mm-hmm. and they had Silly Symphonies. Those were the two like bedrock ah, foundations of the Disney company. With which to build the house upon. Yes. All right. The castle. For the first Silly Symphony, Stalling pitched an idea about skeletons dancing in a graveyard. Mm. Sound familiar? No. Oh, I think that was a Michael Jackson video. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, though, what if that's what it was? The skeleton dance. 
Animation on the skeleton dance began in January 1929 with Ub Iwerks animating a majority of the film in almost six weeks. Oh, wow. So he did almost all of it by himself. It's pretty long. And just in six weeks? Yep. And he, that was back that's when he's like, he probably had to draw like yeah. frame, frame per frame. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was like. That's impressive. Yeah. Good job, UB. <laughs> I'm calling you up. The soundtrack was recorded at Pat Powers Cinephone Studio in New York in February 1929, along with that of the Mickey Mouse short, The Opry House. I don't know what that is. I, I, I pretty, I, I might have seen that one, but I can't. Isn't that a concert hall? <laughs> the, the Grand Ole Opry? No. <laughs> Opry is such an old word. What does it mean? It's like a. It's like a music house. Ah. Going down to the Opry. Aw. What are they playing at that there Opry? Hoedown music. I don't know. <laughs> Hoedown music. In order to attract a national distributor for Silly Symphonies, Walt and Roy Disney arranged for the Skeleton Dance to run at the Carthay Circle Theater in Los Angeles and at the Fox Theater in San Francisco in June 1929, while Pat Powers arranged for it to play at New York's Roxy Theater in July. Oh, wow. In early August, Columbia Pictures agreed to distribute the Silly Symphonies and the Skeleton Dance played as a Columbia release in September at the Roxy, making it the first picture in the theater's history to have a return engagement. Oh. Yep. So it got around. It got around. <laughs> and uh, that's the history of the Skeleton Dance. Oh, okay. So let's talk about the Skeleton Dance. What was your favorite line? There's no talking in the Skeleton Dance. It's no. all music. Yes. It's a Silly Symphony. So it's music playing over an animated sequence it's yes. like a little music video it's like a novelty yeah except no lyrics are being sung no it's it's just instrumental yeah. uh but there's a, it has a storyline like it's you know it's very like simple but it does okay what's no take a stab at it what's what's the storyline of the skeleton dance they come out and they dance and then they go in. <laughs> that's it. Okay. That's, that's not a story. That is yeah, just an the, action. What's the setting of the skeleton dance? A graveyard? Yeah. It's like I'm, a spooky graveyard outside of like a spooky church. Mm -hmm. And like the, the, the short opens up and it's like, you know, it has spooky imagery. Like you see the church and bats fly over and like there's an owl hooting yep. <laughs> and cats and dogs are howling. And uh, like the, the opening is, you know, it's used to uh, kind of like animate the animals in a funny way. Mm -hmm. Like the, the owl, every time it hoots and does that, it's like it, its neck like stretches out and it, it spins. Thrilled. Yeah. It spin, his head spins around. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. It's kind of fun. They do the same thing with cats. Like the cats are like hissing at each other mm -hmm. and they like pull each other's noses. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's like a dog that howls and it like takes deep breaths and it gets fat. Like it expands. Yeah. And then when it howls, it gets all skinny. You see its bones. And then uh, the <laughs> the church bell rings, and it's you know it's to call upon the skeletons. It is the witching hour.
You can hear the chattering of the, the skull's teeth of the skeleton. Just mm. the skeleton like emerges and scares the owl. And then it like kind of like is like walking and prancing around the graveyard for a little while. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it's like a, I'm sure if people hadn't haven't seen the short ever or recently. Like you're just like, that's just music playing or whatever. <laughs> but like the, the music is to complement what the skeleton is doing. Right. Like it, it was like it goes dun, 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 dun. It's the skeleton is kind of like striding. It's like walk, 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 quick steps, <laughs> you know. Tip, 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 tip. And you hear, you hear like the, it, it, what is that? Like a, like a, like wood claps, you know, sort of like a gallop. Yeah. And the, yeah. it, the, the skeleton is galloping across. <laughs> so it's, it, 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 it's a full experience. Like you need to watch it and hear the music because mm-hmm. that, that's the whole thing. Yeah. I can, that, that, I'm in the party of having not watched it recently. Well, obviously I watched it for this, but my mind does not hold on to things like this. So yeah, it is a little bit of, like I'm listening to it. And I'm like, these are just sounds. So yeah, if you want to know what we're actually talking about, give it a watch. Yeah, I will say also this cartoon was pioneering because this is like the third, maybe, maybe second sound cartoon ever. Mm. So they were trying to create the vocabulary of sound cartoons like yeah. in the moment yeah so things like using kind of like the quick like right that mm-hmm. that that denotes like tiptoeing you know yeah. or like using the very like do 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 but that's caution at, at the yeah. very least so yeah. it's like using music in like certain notes to like really sell the action of cartoon to characters imply it even right more yeah so. yeah or to compliment as it implies. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And I, I guess like even thinking about this is they're they're gonna need to figure out Foley pretty soon. A lot of it is still just orchestral here, but I think like the clogs, which I always imagine are like coconuts going cup, 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 like having to figure out like what is that sound? Cause we can't just have somebody walk. Um, but that's not what they were doing at this point. They were literally syncing up a whole orchestra to these things. It's but. not just, no, no, no. It's oh, the other making... way around. Oh. Yeah, I have it here. Uh, for Silly Symphonies, Stalling would create a score that Disney then handed to his animators. This close synchronization of music and on-screen mu- movement, uh, which was pioneered by Disney, became known as Mickey Mousing. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So he created the score and then gave it to the animators. I mean, that's pretty cool. I feel like, that's a terrible title to have. Mickey Mousing feels like just the connotation sounds like you're doing something terrible. But um, that's wild. I think, though, like I would say some animators still do that, like depending on nowadays, right? Like if you've got a comedian playing a part and you're like, this is where and they're ad libbing. So I guess we're going to add more things. Yeah. So uh, they were trained for it. But regardless, that's a lot of work. Yep. At least I, I suppose that means... Like hearing what you're saying at the beginning, Disney was like, I want to make a skeleton thing. Make some music. So at least they knew it was going to be skeletons. Yes. It wasn't just like, what does this music make me think of? Right, right. It gives me a different appreciation for Fantasia, though I haven't seen Fantasia, it. Fantasia, it's the same. Yes. Yeah, it's the same like practice. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, like just with, saying cl- that. just with classical music that had existed already. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Night on Bald Mountain is also a great, would have been a great choice for this episode. <laughs> Well, I don't know what that With is. The, the Chernabog, and it's like, you know, really sp- spooky and scary. The Chernabog? Fa- yeah, from, from Fantasia. It's like the big demon in the mountain. I haven't seen Fantasia. Okay, well, maybe we should watch it. Ooh. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, and, then, and a bu- then a bunch of skeletons come out and they all dance. And it sounds a little something like this. 
Like, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this and again, you have to like, to really appreciate it, to understand it's like a lot of the methods that they're showing off are like brand new. Yeah. Like stuff that never had been done before. The the skeletons are like dancing and they're getting closer to the, 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 the camera, mm-hmm. you know, and then fading back, getting over to, going to the foreground and then coming back into the mm-hmm. background. It's like they're getting smaller and, you know, it's messing with perspective. They do a little do do where mm-hmm. four skeletons grab each other's hands and they spin around in a circle. And it's like, that's 3D, like, you know, depicting a 3D action in 2D with animation is impressive. It's very impressive. Were there any uh, gags from the car? Because there's like a bunch of little gags as they dance. And it's just them dancing in silly ways. Do you remember any gags that stuck out to you? Do they switch heads? Yes. Oh, that. That's it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I have a few of my favorite gags written down. Mm -hmm. Um, So... One is like mu- like a few are, are specifically uh, based on the music uh, to simulate. So basically, w- one of the skeletons like takes, I guess, like femur bones from another skeleton mm. and taps on the his partner oh, as right. a, like a xylophone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, the, then the the music becomes you know, has xylophone to play. It's like doom 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 doom. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> And then, and then another skeleton grabs a cat by the tail oh, and yeah. starts, <laughs> and he, he, he plays uh, the, on the tail as if it was a violin mm-hmm. and, you know, then some violins come in. So yeah. it's, it's like silly and creative. It's like very simple, but yeah, I thought, it, but I thought it was fun and it added yeah. to the experience of like mixing the animation with the, the music. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> there's like a bunch of like, small shots of skeletons doing silly dances, you know, Mm -hmm. and some of the skeletons, like they do like the fire hose, squishy, stretchy cartoon thing, you know, where like the limbs get all fluid, like rubber hoses would, you know, and I I don't know if rubber hosing had existed before this, but it was definitely an early cartoon example of the rubber hose where limbs just get, you know, very... Bendy. Bendy, yeah. Whereas they're supposed to be rigid bones, but yeah. no, it's just kind of silly. And then one of the skeletons does the Charleston, <laughs> which is this is that would that would have been a topical pop culture reference huh. for 1929 because the Charleston was a huge dance craze in the 20s. Ooh. Yeah. So, you know, Disney's not above uh, you know, getting topical with their their stuff. So people cringe at like Chris Pine jokes. Mm-hmm. In, in the Pinocchio remake that just came out. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, man, pop culture references existed before then. Yeah. Even in classic Disney, 1929, they were making topical jokes. They never they never stop. Disney knew how to like engage their audience. Like, look, this cool new thing, but something that you'll go and tell your friends that like, I saw a skeleton do this, and then you do it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, th- that that's all. That's it for the skeleton dance. All right. Basically, at the end, uh, the, the church bell rings again, and it, or... Uh, no, I think it's a rooster. Like a rooster wakes up because mm-hmm. the the sun's coming up, and the right. skeletons are like, "Crap, sun's coming up. We gotta go. We gotta get back out underground." <laughs> and they all freak out and run to their graves. Yeah. 
That's all, folks. Uh, you heard like the the galloping even in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the skeletons like are running to their graves and they all kind of like crash into each other and they become a skeleton horse for a second. Yeah, yep. a li- I didn't like that part. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's a fun little cartoon. Yeah. Would you would you recommend the skeleton dance? Sure. It's like three minutes long. Sure. It's on YouTube for free. Yeah. Would you recommend this? Yes, I think dance? it's great. I think it's a, it's a <laughs> fun little cartoon. You can show it to little kids and they'd enjoy it. You know. It's great. I think it's, it's yeah. It, it, I think it holds up. It's black and white, obviously, but I think it holds up. I think it's a fun little cartoon. Yeah. Oh, but what did the uh, what did the world think? The skeleton dance. I have I have I have reception for each of them and legacy. Yeah, not a lot. Was, <laughs> I didn't think we talked about skeletons this long. We got two more. Give you know, me your. You know, legacy. It's, you know what's kind of funny though is like reviews in 1929 were really this kind. is what happened. Uh. <laughs> it's like a. It's not really. Here's my opinion. It's just like. Here's what happens in the cartoon. So you don't have to see it if you don't have money. It's like you, a newspaper reader in 1929, here's what you can expect from the skeleton dance if you want to go to the theater and see it. Full spoilers. The skeleton dance was well-received by critics. Huh. The Film Daily, for example, said, quote, Here is one of the most novel cartoon subjects ever shown on a screen. Here we have a bunch of skeletons knocking out the laughs on their own bones and how... They do a xylophone number with one playing the tune on the other's spine. <laughs> All takes place in a graveyard, and it is a howl from start to finish, with an owl and rooster brought in for atmosphere. <laughs> it's like, thanks, dude. I mean, accurate. Variety, meanwhile, said, quote, Title tells the story, but not the number of laughs included in the sound cartoon short. They finish off the review saying, quote, All takes place in a graveyard. Don't bring your children. <laughs> I was going to say that. I was like, why is it a little puritanical? <laughs> Don't bring your children. It's too scary to see a cartoon graveyard. <laughs> Speaking of these shorts, a spooky nature in March 1931, the New York Times reported that the film had been banned in Denmark for being too macabre. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I get it, but also not. I mean, they didn't have like fleshy bits. No, it wasn't. I don't think it wasn't gruesome or anything. It was just but it was silly. Uh, I, I, it's just, <laughs> it's like it's the most like, te- like uh, just like inoffensive, scary thing you can have. You know, just goofy skeletons. A, yeah, I'm, I'm sure people, many people in the 20s had actually seen a real skeleton before. <laughs> Eek! I mean, yikes. I buried my daddy yesterday. <laughs> it's not a skeleton. <laughs> And in 1994, the Skeleton Dance was voted number 18 on the 50 greatest cartoons of all time by members of the animation field. So, good job. Good job. I have some legacy. Not a lot, but some. Okay. The skeletons from the Skeleton Dance have reappeared in various Disney projects, including the 1929 Mickey Mouse short, The Haunted House, the 1933 Mickey short, The Mad Doctor, various episodes of House of Mouse, the finale of the 2013 Mickey Mouse series, Several episodes of the Disney Plus The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse series and Disneyland Paris's Phantom Manor. Ooh. A lot of classic Disney uh, haunt, like spooky Halloween shorts mentioned there, too. The Haunted House is great. 
So you're Mad- saying these uh, skeletons have been working for almost 100 years? Yeah. Unionize! <laughs> the skeletons also appeared in video games Mickey Mania, The Timeless Adventures of Mickey Mouse, as part of the Mad Doctor level, and Epic Mickey, as part of the Mad Doctor, Haunted House, and Lonesome Manor levels. Ah. A level based on the skeleton dance itself appears in Epic Mickey 2, The Power of Two, as well as the short being included as an extra feature. Cute. Yeah, I, I will recommend uh, Mickey Mania. It was a side scroller for the Super Nintendo <laughs> where you play as Mickey Mouse. Each level is based on a classic Mickey short. So the first one is Steamboat Willie. Mm. The next one's The Mad Doctor, so on, so on. It was fun. I played it when I was a kid. Okay. In addition to being featured as part of various Disney anthology shows like Good Morning Mickey and The Ink and Paint Club, The Skeleton Dance can also be seen in the 2007 superhero film Ghost Rider. Oh, wow. With Nicolas Cage. It's playing in the back at some point. Mm -hmm. I vaguely remember that. In 1937, Ub Iwerks, who had left Disney in 1930, worked on the cartoon Skeleton Frolic for Columbia Pictures' Color Rhapsody series. Uh, it is essentially a color remake of the skeleton dance and features many similar scenes. Huh. So Ub Iwerks left Disney, joined Columbia, and created his own cartoon that was just the same thing, Ub, but in color. You were the chosen one, Ub. How could you betray us? And for all you internet kids out there, footage from the skeleton dance was used in the 1998 Disney sing-along songs volume Happy Haunting Party at Disneyland for the song Spooky Scary Skeletons by Andrew Gold. <laughs> You, you know that one, right? No. Spooky, scary skeletons. Okay. Yeah. It's like the internet's Halloween theme. Got it. Yes. And and it's like they used that song on a VHS tape and they had footage of the skeleton dance got while it. that song was playing. It was like a music video. Got it. Got and it. a lot of kids who grew up in the 90s remember the spooky, scary skeleton yes. song. And now it's become a meme. Yes. So when you hear like, oh, that's too spooky. Like that's just a joke on... The skeleton dance ah. and spooky, scary skeletons. Yep. Yeah, I think the only reason I know spooky, scary skeletons is you sing it all September and all October. And uh, yeah, like a, a couple of our teacher friends have talked about kids still saying spooky, scary skeletons because the, because of the internet, the TikTok, internet and YouTube. Never lets anything die. Yep, it's like the the Smash Mouth All Star song. You know, it's it's just it's it's a it has a life of its own now. Yeah, on the internet, it's its own being. All right, let's move on to the next cartoon short. This one is uh, more than just music. Released December 24th, 1937, Christmas Eve. Featuring the voice talents of Walt Disney, Clarence Nash, Pinto Kolvig, and Billy Bletcher. Directed by Burt Gillette. That is Lonesome Ghosts. little spookier even more spookier than the the skeleton dance a little bit but like i think probably because it's mellower like it's like not you it's not doing everything so it has the chance to kind of like have more feels yeah tell 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 the kids what is the lonesome ghost you know and like a like a pitch what what is what is Um, the lonesome ghost we have a home that is haunted by three ghosts and they're bored and then in the newspaper they saw that there are ghosts 
exorcists people, ghost hunters, something like that, busters of ghosts. And they're like, hey, wouldn't it be a laugh if we got them here to try to get them out of our place? And so they hire a trio of busters to bust them up. But instead, they're busting up with laughter because they are scaring the busters. Who are the busters? I'm not sure. Um, One of them is a duck. One of them is an Oswald. One of them is a cow. No, all wrong. <laughs> One of them is a duck. Yeah, the, the, the trio of Ghostbusters in this cartoon, Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy. The classic Disney trio. I don't know. They're I here, think I might have been right. They're here together, and they're going to bust some ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is. I think this is the best of the three that we watched. Right? Can I... Uh, uh, can we end on... I ain't afraid of no busting. Oh no, <laughs> I, I have a, I have a dang it ending song, but that would have been a good one. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I would you agree this is the best of the three? Uh yeah, yeah I would. Yeah, because I, I don't know, it's just it, it's great to see an old Mickey short, you know, like they, they just got a great, great dynamic. The three, the trio, you they've know, got the trinity chemistry. Let me let me give some more uh, background because uh, you know 1937. Uh, it's been ten you know, whole years have passed. Almost and some almost change. almost ten, eight years, twenty nine to thirty seven. Oh, I don't know why it was twenty. I thought it was twenty three to twenty seven. Oh no, twenty nine. Uh, they, they they started the company in twenty three. Ah, they didn't they didn't uh, make oh, right. skeleton dance until twenty nine. Right, right, right. But yeah, so it's been eight years. Uh, some time. Some some important things have happened since then. Uh, so here we go. Um, Following the release of The Skeleton Dance, Walt Disney Productions continued to expand its core group of animators, including a group later known as the Nine Old Men. <sighs> so the Nine Old Men were legends. Got they, it. They were like the guys who, they created the Disney style, mm. you know, that would like carry on even to today. Like, okay. you know, even into the 90s, animators at Disney would go to the Nine Old Men and say, hey, what should we do in this situation? And they would like, huh. you know, they like wise, wise sages <laughs> who would dispense their wisdom. The deacons of Disney. Following a business dispute with distributor Pat Powers, Disney was dropped by Cinephone, who then signed Ub Iwerks to work for them. So Disney lost another distributor. Uh, and they took Ub this time. Ub, why? Composer Carl Stalling resigned shortly afterwards, thinking that without Iwerks, the Disney studio would close. Wow. Because <laughs> like Ub Iwerks really is like, I think a lot of people thought he was like the special sauce that made Disney what it was. You but know? it wasn't. It was Roy the whole time. Roy the businessman. <laughs> but Walt pressed on, signing distribution deals with Columbia Pictures and United Artists and maintaining the success of the Mickey Mouse and Silly Symphony shorts on his own. All right. Hustle. Capitalist society. <laughs> there were three big developments at Disney that directly led into our next cartoon. Mm. First, Disney continued to introduce new characters to the world of Mickey Mouse, chiefly Goofy, first known as Dippy Dog in 1932, and Donald Duck in 1934. And we, they, we know who they are. Save the ship. Second, Disney employed the revolutionary full-color three-strip Technicolor process in the 1932 Silly Symphony short Flowers and Trees, the first commercially released film to do so. The first okay. color cartoon was. Flowers and trees. No, no, out of here. No, flowers and trees is another one. I feel like a lot of people have seen. It's like where like the the trees hug each other and the flowers dance. I've seen those trees in Roger Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. Yes, I haven't seen them anywhere else. Yeah, I remember like watching those cartoons at like daycare. Like Uh, I remember that. I remember that cartoon pretty vividly. 
Mickey's first color short would be 1935's The Band Concert, with the character fully transitioning into color cartoons later that year. Okay. Yeah, so Disney, uh, Mickey was in color. Lonesome Ghosts is a color cartoon. Yeah. And third, Walt Disney spent $1.5 million in four years to produce the first full-length traditionally animated feature film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Wow. It was, at the time, people thought it was stupid yeah. to try and create a feature-length animated cartoon. Why are you throwing money away like they that? They called it Disney's Folly because uh... they thought Disney's, his company's going under with that. Like, he's wasted too much money and time creating this this dumb project. Jokes It'll never work. <laughs> Everybody saw it. Snow White premiered December 21st, 1937, just three days before a certain Mickey Mouse short was released. Like, I don't understand their timing. Halloween is just passed. Just passed. They couldn't get it done in time, I guess. I don't know. They started the other one in January. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Lonesome Ghosts debuted three days after Snow White debuted. On Christmas Eve. Yeah. Lonesome Ghost was produced partly to capitalize on a ghost chasing craze in film comedy at the time. Okay. With acts like Bob Hope, Abbott and Costello, the East Side Kids, and the Three Stooges also exploring the concept. I've never heard of one of those people. So all these all these comedy groups were doing ghost busting at the time. Uh, okay. Maybe it was his fallback. He's like, well, if the movie flops, somebody's going to come and see this ghost cartoon. Yeah. The short was directed by Burt Gillette, who joined Disney in 1929 and had directed Flowers and Trees and Disney's uber popular The Three Little Pigs short. Mm, yeah. Uber. No, really. Like that was probably the most popular Disney cartoon for a long, long time, oh, wow. which was The Three Little Pigs. Okay. And that one was not in color. It was. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it, you know, who's afraid of the big bad wolf? Big bad wolf. That That's from that cartoon. Okay. Yep. Huh. So like a lot of history is get tied up in all these, you know. Halloween cartoons. Yeah. Not non-Halloween cartoons. I feel like you just wanted to do another Disney episode. That's what this is. Was I skadooshed into this? Anyway, let's talk about this this cartoon. We got lonesome ghosts. As you you laid out the the plot, there are some ghosts haunting a house and they're bored. Yep. They're bored in the house and they're in the house bored. We don't have no fun no Our audio is not bad. They just sound like they are talking through that, a phone in a speaker from a different room. That's the worst part of the cartoon is you can barely understand what these ghosts are saying. <laughs> like even with headphones on, I'm like, I heard one of them say, oh, we don't have no fun no more. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, hey, fellas, get a look at this. Ghost exterminators. I heard that. <laughs> Let's get I them over here. Didn't catch anything. Yeah. Like, yeah. Just but the grass. Uh, those those ghosts have names, by the way. Oh, do they? Yep, they are uh, n known as Jasper, Grub, Boo, and Moss. Oh, there's four of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. Four ghosts. Didn't know that. And uh, they they call up uh, Ajax Ghost Exterminators, mm -hmm. which is run by Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck, and Goofy. The telephone. Ah! 
Disney doing Mickey Mouse. He did Mickey Mouse for like forty years. <laughs> yes, sir. That was a that was a, a Disney voice. Yep. And uh, you got Clarence Ducky Nash playing Donald, Donald Duck, Duck, which is like I think he was the only man physically able to do that voice <laughs> until like they got the replacement. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. Like, why was that the voice you settled on? <laughs> and the, uh, it, it, that that's a duck voice that's true you can't understand almost anything he says no and it becomes even more apparent when we talk about our next cartoon but yeah like it's a lot of like wah, 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 wah. yeah when when donald has to do full sentences it just doesn't work yeah uh yeah one and, or two words no way i'm clearly a great donald ducker and then that's uh pinto Kolvig plays a uh, goofy who I, I gotta say bill farmer the guy who does goofy now like he nails it like he mm. just like they sound exactly the same yeah. as far as I'm concerned. When was the last time you watched an updated uh Donald Duck thing? Like a recent. Uh, is- that 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 the new Mickey Mouse series, like the the like right, really the stylized eyes. one. Yes. Yeah. But they, you know, the guy who does uh Donald Duck there is the same guy who did him in DuckTales. For and sure. He sounds great. Yeah. Oh yeah. I wasn't trying to like say like, uh, you're wrong. I was just like, Oh, when was the last time you watched a Donald Duck content? Yeah. Those new Mickey Mouse shorts are good. I like them. And and the new DuckTales. It's also good. We only watched two episodes. I've seen a few more. Oh, without me? Yeah. The audacity. <laughs> and uh, what? It, so at this point, the uh, the crew, the Ghostbusting crew, they show up at the house uh, with, with like guns and ammunition and nets and all the thing you need to catch a ghost. And they show up at this haunted house and they basically just split up mm. and the ghosts mess with them. Ghosts. We'll separate and surround them. One thing I really like about this cartoon is how good it looks. Mm-hmm. Like the painting that they do on the house, like it looks great. Yeah. Like they they have, I don't know, it's just very moody. I like yeah. the I like the the style and the look of this cartoon. It looks great. It's full it does. full color. Full color. Animated great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, it's just like the. Each each of the three main characters, uh, they get messed with by a ghost. Yeah, so we and just it, spend a little bit of time for each of them. It's a gag machine. Owned by the ghost. Yeah, do you have any uh, funny gags that you remember for this one? Was it Goofy in the Mirror or was yes. it Donald? Goofy in the Mirror. That's like, I think Goofy has the best sequence in mm-hmm. the cartoon because the, the best things happen to him. So yeah. Goofy is exploring by himself and uh, he says something kind of interesting. I'm brave, <laughs> but I'm careful. <laughs> I'm scared of no ghosts. 
few a uh, few things there. Mm-hmm. He says, "I ain't no scared of no ghosts." Yep. That is very likely the inspiration for that line in the Ghostbusters theme song. Uh, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yeah. So yes, Goofy created Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. He is the Ghostbuster. He is the Ghost Whisperer. Also, he said, "I am brave." But I'm also terrified. Those things are not mutually exclusive. You can be both brave and terrified. Yep. He's so, my hero. <laughs> and then you hear like like they have the trombone like, and it's just a compliment like him being like spooked by the ghosts, yeah, you know, like being like stretched or something, you know. I think it like somebody like, I think they like grab his head and like shake him a little bit, and that's when you get the cowbell like, because he's a cow. Dippy dog cow. He's in love with a cow. Oh, yeah. Clarabelle cow. Does that mean Max is half cow? I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, and as you hinted at, there's a, a gag with a mirror. Mm-hmm. And so Goofy, and this is a classic gag. And they, they ripped it straight from, where did they get this? Yeah, they basically stole this scene from a Marx Brothers scene in the film Duck Soup. Ah. And it's the one where... You know, a character's looking in the mirror, and there's another character in the mirror who's mirroring their actions. But then, at crucial points, the the actions don't line up, and right. the person looking in the mirror is like, "What?" What's you know, on? and he's trying to like do weird faces to get the person in the mirror to act up again. Mm-hmm. And Goofy does that exact thing with a ghost in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> For a moment, I, I thought it wasn't me. <laughs> That sharp uh, note at the end there was him sticking his like his tongue out, trying to get the ghost to not do it. You know, mm-hmm. do something unexpected in the mirror so the person who's mirroring you doesn't can't keep up. Yeah, I, I also just want to say uh, this is one of in my top five ir- most irrational fears that the per- the the reflection in the mirror is not lining up. Let me tell you, I would leave a place and never come back. <laughs> Let me tell you, I would still play rent on this because we're leased. But if one of the mirrors acted up like that, I'm staying with your mama. Like, <laughs> I'd stay with mine, but she lives way too far from my place of work. Uh, this short also marked the first use of Goofy's catchphrase, something wrong here. <laughs> you heard it right there. Something wrong here. I did not realize Goofy had a catchphrase. That's that's apparently his catchphrase is something, mm. something wrong here. I would have thought his... Catchphrase was like, <laughs> that's how he laughs, right? <laughs> Something like that. That is his catchphrase. Uh, any other gags from the short that you enjoyed? Donald being the coward that he always is. He, he gets angry. I love like angry Donald is the best Donald. <laughs> Yeah, 
<laughs> you heard him say like, "I'll be a son of a gun." I did. <laughs> you didn't hear him say that. No. <laughs> he says, "I'll be a son of a gun." That's all I heard. Uh, yeah, so you heard him just get angry because this this ghost is just like you know plucking his feathers and it's like, like slapping him around. It's like stop it. And, and Donald like he he has an anger problem. So when he gets like super worked up, he starts rolling around and he like does like the rope a dope. You know like yeah. come at come at me come at me. You and, want some of these hands? And then the ghost does the same thing at him mockingly. Yeah. I love that. It made me laugh. Hmm? Makes me laugh even thinking about it. Um, <laughs> and like there there's a lot of like the you know the the ghosts hunters they think they've got the ghost in hand like they you know uh they think they have them captured or they you know mm-hmm. have them tied up or something and then the ghost will mess with them like you know it'll you know warp through a floor or mm-hmm. something like that or uh, like um i don't have any clips of mickey because mickey doesn't do much do much but he's like the hero but there's he's like chasing a ghost and then the ghost uh like jumps through the floor and it becomes like a uh, like a, a pool of water. Oh yeah. You know, so there's like a lot of cool water effects that mm-hmm. happen in this cartoon. That's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and, and Donald does the same thing. Like he like tries to tackle a ghost. He's like, I got him. I got him. And then Don't ghost disappears. Him. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's actually a scene that kind of reminded me of the shining where Mickey opens a, I guess an elevator door and just water pours out mm. and he gets like sucked down through a, like a drain. Oh, look pretty cool. Yeah. I remember that. I, I, I think the only other gag that really stood out was the last one, where the, the how they successfully exercise this mansion. And how does that happen? They accidentally dress like a ghost, and it scares the ghosts. Yeah, they basically get chased down some stairs, all three of them, mm-hmm. Mickey, Donald, and Goofy, and they fall into a storage room that's full of like flour. And like molasses or something like that. Mm-hmm. And basically they're covered in this just white sticky stuff. And they like, they're trying to like get out cause they're trapped under yeah. all this gross sticky white stuff. And uh, when the ghosts chase them down, they see just a giant formless mass of white and they think it's ghosts yeah. and they, they, they get scared. The ghosts get scared of ghosts. I do not know what Donald said right there. Oh, I, I have don't no know. idea. Subtitles are needed. You Good riddance. We did it. Now they're going to figure out that they're not going to get paid because they just kicked out the people who called them. Yep. <laughs> um, I, I remember as a little kid like that, the, the image of Donald, Mickey and Goofy underneath the flower, like it looked kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. I remember that, you know, so I remember seeing when we watched it most recently, we saw it and I saw that and it like, you know, brought me back. Like, oh, scary. Very, very nostalgic. Yeah. Mm. So I really like Lonesome Ghosts. Would you recommend Lonesome Ghosts? Yeah. I think it's great. Like, I think if you're going to put it on any classic Disney short for Halloween, just to, you know, get into the spirit of things, mm-hmm. Lonesome Ghosts is the one to do it. Yeah. I think it's great. This. Yep. I agree. But what did the world think? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I couldn't find any reviews. Uh, I mean, I could read like Rotten Tomatoes uh, <laughs> user reviews if oh you my want. Gosh. I don't. 
I don't know how fun that will be. But some some user reviews are bad. Oh, it has like 50 user reviews. Uh, five star review from Brandon B. <gasps> we know what Brandon B. Uh, I remember watching this as a kid on Mickey's House of Mouse and loving it. After a rewatch, it still has that charm that I remember as a kid. Everyone reading this review should watch it. It's less than 10 minutes. <laughs> Good job. Uh, the worst reviewed one here is a four-star review from Greg W. Ooh. Disney at its finest. So, yeah, hey. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. So, uh, critically acclaimed. <laughs> sure. Who knows? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. That's just the way it goes sometimes with old, yeah. old cartoons. So, I recommend it. Yeah. But it's got some legacy that I can list out. Oh, okay. Lonesome Ghosts has been featured in full or partially in several Disney programs over the years, including Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color, mm. The Wonderful World of Disney, Have a Laugh, Sing Me a Story with Belle, which was the Beauty and the Beast reading storybook show, live action storybook show. We talked about that. Did we? Yeah. 1991 movie oh. episode. We talked Beauty and the Beast. Uh, the theatrical release of The Sword and the Stone for some reason and the Disney's Wonderful World of Winter educational short. What was the education here? Don't know. What was the winter? Uh, the, the short was also released as a cartridge for the Fisher-Price movie viewer. Oh. Is that the little, like... I think, it's, you, yeah. You put in little films the, like, and... Like binocular thing? Yeah, I yeah. I'm pretty sure been. that's what that is. I had one of those. I had The Lion King. <laughs> ah. Uh, the titular Lonesome Ghosts have appeared in the TV series Bonkers. Disney's House of Mouse, and The Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse. They have also appeared in the video games Disney's Magical Quest 2, starring Mickey and Minnie, Disney's Magical Mirror, starring Mickey Mouse, and Epic Mickey. And the Lonesome Ghost short itself was the basis for a level in the video game Mickey Mania, The Timeless Adventures of Mickey Mouse, and its PlayStation version, Mickey's Wild Adventure. That was, that okay. card, that was the game I talked about earlier. Yeah. The Lonesome Ghosts and the Ajax Ghost Exterminators were incorporated into a painting by artist Randy Suters entitled A Haunting We Will Go, created for the 1997 Disneyana Convention at Walt Disney World. It's actually a pretty cool painting. I, I looked it? that up. Yeah, it's pretty neat. We'll put it on Twitter or yeah. you'll show me because I have no idea what you're talking about. And back to the Ghostbusters connection, Disney made a DTV music video. That was their MTV mm -hmm. like thing. Equivalent. Yeah. Uh, for Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters theme with footage from this cartoon for their Halloween special, DTV Monster Hits. Huh. So they just, they just took Ghostbusters and the Lonesome Ghosts and married Put them together. For, for DTV. <laughs> just um, just in Goopy's voice. I ain't for no ghost. <laughs> they, they probably should have done that. <laughs> oh, man. But that's it for Lonesome Ghosts. We're yeah. We can finally move into our last cartoon of the evening. Released October 10th, 1952. Finally in October. Finally. Yeah, release. Featuring the voice talents of June Foray and Clarence Ducky Nash. Directed by Jack Hanna. Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Trick Did you hear trick or treat in the duck voice at least? No. Trick or treat. <laughs> trick or treat. Bam, 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 bam. And laughter. I heard trick or treat. Uh, Donald says, I heard the nephews say, uh, thank you, Uncle Donald. <laughs> and then Donald said, now here's your treat. <laughs> or no, now here's your trick. Uh. 
what happens in this cartoon? It's a cartoon featuring Donald Duck and his nephews. Huey, Dewey, and Dilbert. Louie. Um, Dewey, Dewey, and Louie are out dressed to the nines in their costumes. They're going around trick-or-treating. They go to their uncle's house, and they do not get candy. They get pop rocks in their face. Donald Duck pranks his nephews. Uh, he, he harasses his nephews yes. for trick-or-treating. He like puts firecrackers in their little, little pails. And they it lit firecrackers. Lit. So all the candies they already got. Look here. This is not a trick. This is abuse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, that he like douses them in water and is laughing at them. Oh my God. Because Donald sucks. Donald sucks. <laughs> He's a bad uncle. He's a bad all. Uh, there's there's the classic uh, D- uh, Donald's birthday short where uh, the nephews buy him a box of cigars for his birthday. But Donald... It's kind of weird. I think Donald thinks that they bought the cigars for them. Oh. So to to teach them a lesson, he makes the nephews smoke all the cigars. Oh, I remember. Yeah. So yeah. if you ever see Huey, Dewey, and Louie smoking cigars. And right, very red-eyed. Yeah. That, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Donald is not a good person. Nope. Not a good duck. Nope. Why does Daisy date him? <laughs> uh, before we get into the rest of the cartoon, let me list off some facts. There are other ducks in the pond, Daisy. Because uh, we're, we're now about 15 years after that last cartoon. Okay. We're in the 50s now. The war is over. Oh, just wait. Yeah, yeah. In the Between Lonesome Ghost and Trick or Treat, uh, America went to war, and now we're back. Yeah. And we'll be heading back soon. Ike's, Ike's running for president. Things are going to get back to normal here pretty soon. <laughs> Lies. Following the release of Lonesome Ghost, Walt Disney Productions forged on with a string of beloved film classics like Pinocchio. Dumbo, and Bambi. The company retired Silly Symphonies in 1939, but continued to produce Mickey Mouse and Mickey Mouse adjacent shorts anyway. Mm. Most important for our next cartoon, 1938 saw the release of Donald's Nephews, which marked the first film appearance of Huey, Dewey, and Louie. Huh. Uh, parentheses, they first appeared in a Donald Duck Sunday newspaper strip, 1937. Oh, okay. The 40s proved turbulent time for Disney. With a bitter union strike beginning in May 1941, the United States entering World War II later that year, and the studio being contracted to produce wartime content for the U.S. military. They they went into that contract themselves. Well, yes, because yes. they were in dire straits. Disney needed money, oh, yeah. so he took money from the government to make propaganda. Yeah. Yeah, so you get classic things like victory through air power uh, and the, the de Fuhrer's face uh, where Donald Duck dressed up like Hitler. Yep. Makes fun of him. It was it was a it was a farce. He was making fun of Hitler. Yes. Um, and then you get all those like one they didn't have any money, so Disney had to produce like uh, uh short collections. Like mm-hmm. they were films, but it was just a bunch of shorts packaged together. Right. Or they had to basically make films celebrating South America because the U.S. was trying to convince South America to join the war effort for the uh. Allies. That that's where you get the three caballeros, you know, Donald Duck and his two South American friends, right? Who are trying to basically befriend South America because <laughs> the U.S. wanted their help. Goodness, things wouldn't stabilize for Disney until 1950 with the successful release of Cinderella. Ah, but despite its rejuvenated film division, Disney began to wind down its short division in the 1950s. That's just the film industry. Like, shorts weren't really part of the movie theater anymore. You know, I mean. Quibi took off. <laughs> we like shorts. We like shorts, but the medium from like yeah, television was a thing now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so like shorts didn't have a home in the movie theater anymore. Yeah. They were for movies. Yes. 
The Mickey Mouse, Pluto, and Goofy shorts had all ceased regular production in 1953, with Donald Duck in the short-lived Humphrey the Bear series continuing on before the shorts division was shut down completely in 1956. Mm. Donald Duck was the last holdout, which is why we got <laughs> this this Donald yeah. Duck cartoon. After that, all future shorts were produced by the feature films division at Disney. Mm. You know, they would only release a few every so often. Yeah, and then they... Now, like when I remember growing up, there's like lots of shorts on Disney Channel. So it was like sort of rejuvenated, like between things, like the 15 minutes or whatever. Yeah, they, they, I, I think they, and they still do shorts for some Disney mm-hmm. animated features. Like you go to the movies, yeah, and they'll, they'll, they'll show before. a little short. Yeah, yeah. Like Pix, a, Pixar does it too. Yeah. yeah. And that brings us to Trick or Treat. The short was directed by Jack Hanna, who had worked in the Disney Story Department beginning in 1938 with the release of Donald's Nephews. We've talked about that. And he had collaborated with comics artist Carl Barks, also known as the good duck artist, uh, creator of DuckTales. Yeah, we talked about that. On several duck comics, and he had directed most of Donald Duck's post-war theatrical shorts. Mm. So Carl Barks is the good duck artist. Yes. Jack Hanna is the good duck animator, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the good duck director. It's oh, oh, lots of good ducks. You, you've heard of good eggs, but have you heard of good ducks? Trick or Treat features a witch character, which will introduced in a second named hazel hazel the witch or witch, witch hazel, hazel which is a parody or yes. it's like a like a pun play yeah. on words yeah it's witch hazel thing yes. what is that it's a it's a plant okay uh voiced by legend june foray now june foray is like a legend voice actress extraordinaire she was rocky the squirrel mm-hmm. in uh rocky and bullwinkle uh she's she's everybody yeah like, like she did all of these classic from like the 50s to you know, the the 2000s, she was in so many things. Like, she was Magic of Dispel in DuckTales. Mm. Um, she's the original Tara Strong. <laughs> she's uh, She was Granny in the uh, the Tweety Bird cartoons. Oh, yeah. Uh, Foray was best known for radio at the time of Trick or Treat's release, having only a few cartoon voice credits to her name. Hmm. Trick or Treat was her third Disney role, the first two being Lucifer in Cinderella, the cat, <laughs> and Mrs. George Geef. In 1951's Get Rich Quick. You know, okay. you know who George Geef is? No. It's Goofy. Oh. That was his 50s uh, everyman persona. Oh. When they turned Goofy from a, you know, a goof to a mild-mannered uh, businessman. Right. He I was do a, remember these The things. 50s everyman was George Geef. <laughs> June Foray played his wife. Huh. A cow. He, <laughs> he gave up on the cow. <laughs> Trick or Treat's theme song which we entered the segment with trick or treat for Halloween was written by Mac David, Al Hoffman and Jerry Livingston, who had all written songs for Disney's Cinderella, including bibbidi boppity boo. Oh, so I, as I continue to lay out the rest of these facts here, um, this cartoon had the, it was like the all-star cast mm. of, of Disney creatives in the fifties. So all of the cl- classic, like Disney fifties stuff from Cinderella to, you know, the end of the fifties, Mm-hmm. All of the people who made those movies also helped make Trick or Treat. Oh. So we got the, the songwriters who made classic songs for not only Cinderella, but also uh, Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan. They were already heavy hitters or like this was just before they got. I think Cinderella was like the big breakout because mm-hmm. the war had ended. Things are back to stabilizing. And then like Disney helped to build a, you know, a stable of creatives to help him throughout the next decade or so. That hopefully you wouldn't desert like Ugg. Ub? No, he's Ugh now. 
The Trick or Treat song was performed by vocal group The Mellow Men, founded in 1948 by Max Smith and Thurl Ravenscroft. You know Thurl? You, you ever heard of Thurl Ravenscroft? No, but that's another good strong name. He, uh, let me let me sing you a song. You're a mean one, Mr. <laughs> Grinch. Never heard of it. That's Thurl Ravenscroft. <laughs> Thurl Ravenscroft did the Grinch songs. Huh. And the, he was the narrator for the Grinch. All right. Uh, he's also Tony the Tiger, the original Tony the oh. Tiger. They're great. Actually, he, yes, that is a voice I know for sure. Yeah, that's Thurl Ravenscroft. The Mellow Men sang backup to some of the best-known artists of the day, including Rosemary Clooney, Joe Stafford, Arlo Guthrie, Frankie Lane, Peggy Lee, Doris Day, Bing Crosby, and Elvis Presley. Oh wow! They were, you know, they were they were they were doing like uh, like barbershop quartet style, mm-hmm. you know. So they were just like a, va- a male vocal group that backed up the, the yeah. star. They would also go on to sing in several Disney features like Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Lady and the Tramp, and The Jungle Book. And in Disneyland attractions like the Haunted Mansion and Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, like they recorded or they like just showed up and would No, sing? no, yeah, they, they recorded music got for it. So got when it, you go it. on the Haunted Mansion, you know the, the busts, the, the four heads mm-hmm. and one's knocked over. Oh, that's them. That's the mellow men got singing it. that song, you know. <laughs> I don't know that song. I uh, also don't. Yeah. They they sing the Haunted Mansion song, basically. Mm-hmm. And that is all I've got for Trick or Treat. Let's talk about the short itself. Okay. So we Let's- already talked about Donald Duck sucks. Mm. He's mean to his nephews. <laughs> uh, luckily, a, a certain witch saw the whole thing. Yeah. I saw the whole thing, kids. Down, please, Bob. Down, please. Thank you. Oh, yeah. A rare witch. Oh, joy. Thou do believest in witches. Just for that, I'll help thee get thy candy. Uh-oh. I <laughs> My name, sir, is Hazel. Which Hazel, that is? <laughs> that quacking rogue is tougher than I thought. Now, come here, boys. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I need some very gruesome ingredients. A cauldron of swamp water. So Witch Hazel also gets punked by, <laughs> by Donald Duck. She goes very kindly and then like, no, this is war, son. I, I looked up the history of like trick or treating in America mm-hmm. because like you, you watch this short. It's very it's set in like a contemporary America. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they're, they're on like a, just a, you know, a American street, you know, the white picket fence. Right. And the nephews are just going door to door like one would in the 1950s. So apparently like trick or treating as we know it became an American tradition in the 50s after the war, like late huh. 40s, early 50s. It became popular in America to do that. Interesting. Before that, it was popular in like ethnic communities around America, but it was not an American thing for yeah. everyone to do. But by the end of the war, it just became a thing that everyone did. Go door to door and get candy. Colonization, taking our tropes. <laughs> not tropes. So it, it, this this 1952 short was capturing a popular fad yeah. of the time. Yet again, Disney like being on trend. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and on, I, I even when you read the uh, the Wikipedia article for trick or treating, this short popularized the practice even more. Mm. So, like, I think this this is kind of it cemented trick or treating as an American tradition. Yeah. You know, so. No wonder you like it so much through and through Disney boy. <laughs> Who didn't love trick? You didn't like trick or treating as a kid? No, I loved it. You get free candy. Yeah, I 
I think this is one of the things I find really funny. Kids who don't know us, you don't understand. Like, I am the introvert in this relationship. Like, going out to other people's houses, knocking on the door and asking them for something? No, absolutely not. But you get to dress up so I can be perceived and people can talk to me and ask me what I am? No, absolutely not. I, I hate it. I hate everything about it. I and not it was... because it's not fun and I'm not paying attention. It's just like, oh, that plays on every single one of my anxieties. No. <laughs> I just thought it was novel to see your neighborhood in a, in a light you'd never seen it before. Cause like, I, I was not allowed to walk around my neighborhood at like, you know, after the yeah. sun went down. So it was kind of cool. And you like go to houses and see neighbors you've never seen before. Was, I don't know. It was kind of neat. You know, like there were houses in my neighborhood that like I never approached unless it was Halloween. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I get it. I get what you're saying. I would like if we went, we don't have kids, but if we went quote unquote trick or treating, we just went to a neighborhood and walked around to see the designs and stuff and not went to anyone's door. Fine. That's fine. I don't accept all the people in the streets would drive me insane, but I, yeah. it's not for me. I get it though. I get what you're saying. I can see the appeal. It does not appeal to me. <laughs> all right. So back to the, the plot, which Hazel has been dunked on real hard. <laughs> dunk. Donald dunk. <laughs> Donald dunk. <laughs> and she's got to play. She's got to, she's got to, she's not going to let that stand. Yeah, Her she's gonna get, is on the line. She's going to help those boys get their candy. Uh, she's going to get revenge on this evil duck. <laughs> so what does she do? She uh, plots with the boys. I can't remember what, because she like has two or three things that she tries to do before she just like all outright witches him. And I can't remember what the first one was. It was she, trying to trick him back. Well, right? she tries to scare him first. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, they yeah. create a witch's brew. Hmm. Double, double, toil and trouble. Fire burn at cauldron bubble. Eye of needle, tongue of shoe. Hand of clock that points at two. This is the real thing, in it? Right out of Shakespeare. Neck of bottle, tail of coat. Uh, whiskers from the billy goat. <laughs> Repulsive. I like that they called out Shakespeare there. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I, I even before, like, I knew that phrase, double, double, boil it, bubble, or whatever. I knew that before I even knew it was from Big Bath. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. Uh, so it was, it was, that, that was a fun little reference there. It's like Disney doing the contemporary and the real old all together. And so what what they do, she she fills up, like, one of those, like, exterminator uh, uh Puffers, yes, you know, from like a the last short, <laughs> yeah, well, like like a bu bug exterminator. Like you, you put in the the uh, yeah. the, the pesticide and you yeah. spray it. You know, like one of those old timey ones. Yeah. You know, where you has a little the plunger and you, thing. yeah. yeah. Uh, she fills it with her witch's brew, and then she starts spraying everything in in Donald's yard, and it causes. And that that's when you get the the musical number. They play the trick or treat song, mm. and his white picket fence becomes ghosts, <laughs> um, and. She like sprays it on a pumpkin, a, yeah. a jack-o'-lantern, and the jack-o'-lantern comes to life. Yeah. You know, and he's like, ooh. Ooh. Thurl Ravenscroft, uh, the, the guy with the deep voice, he does the, the pumpkin, you know, boo. Boo. And yeah. it, it's meant to scare Donald. I think he does get scared, but he, it doesn't convince him to fork over the, the candies. Candy, right, because they're not just scaring him to scare him. They're trying to scare him 
to give candy. It's really not a well thought they're out trying plan. They're trying to to intimidate him. Intimidate him into yes, that's what they're trying to do. I think at first it like he's almost about to give them the candy. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'll give you the candy, no worries. And then but like then they get smug about it. Yeah, they get smug about it. He's just like, oh, oh, that's how you feel. And so he uh, doubles down. On he his hides. Nasty. He, yeah, he hides his treats in his broom closet and and locks the door and says, yeah. "I'm not giving you this candy." <laughs> so she has to get a uh, even more serious. Yeah. I just been itching to cast a spell on you. Helkus Palkus magic shower put his feet within my power. Feet? Kick out that key! Yippee! Look at him dance! So she enchants his feet to basically dance for her. And Donald Duck's fan, uh, his his feet turn blue. Yeah. And and that all the little like drumming that you hear is just his. his he's like doing a tap dance. Yeah. And he's like kicking himself in the butt. Yep. <laughs> That's that's where all the gags come in. Is like mm-hmm. Donald doing his silly dance. Yeah, I, I don't have any like funny gags that I remember that I wrote down. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't too full. Like that's why it's not like the best of them. It's got a stronger plot line than the rest of them, and you can clear. Nope, you still can't clearly understand everybody. <laughs> I was like, it's better than the ghosts, but no, the ghosts. It's like there were are four more. ducks in this one. Yeah, and apparently you can't understand any of them. Can't understand any of them. Luckily, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, their duck voices over time got less. Yeah, yeah. But Donald has always been this. Um, yeah, so I guess, like, even in all of it, like, Donald still doesn't, like, give give them the... He, he, like, the door gets knocked down and they just take the candy. Yeah, she so she turns him into a batting, battering ram because well, what what it happens is he eats his own key to yeah. his broom closet. He's like, I'm, you're not going to get in there. I'm going to eat this key. And so she's trying to, like kick it out of him with his own feet and it's like there's some physical comedy to it it's kind yeah. of fun but yeah it's not like a gag no no memorable gags that i can remember other mm-hmm. than like oh it's kind of funny to see him tap dance yeah so but she then instructs the feet to basically back donald up so they can ram his head into the door yeah no you made old hazel mad i'll cast a spell that's double grim smash that door down feet this hurts me worse than it does you. Now take a longer start. About a mile or two. She talks in riddle or in rhyme in the rhyme. whole time? I think so. Yeah. Huh. And so he backs up a mile or two outside of his house and runs at the door and breaks it down and they get their candy. <laughs> And they get their candy. And that's the end. Yep. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. It's... Come, Beelzy Bob. It's nearly done. <laughs> yeah, it mustn't be late. Goodness me. Goodbye. Goodbye, kids. Goodbye, Bye-bye. So when ghosts and goblins by the score, ring your bell or pound your door, better not be stingy or your nightmares will come true. That song really is the best part of that cartoon. <laughs> I I still sing that to my to myself. 
Yes. Constantly because it's so catchy. Yes, you do. When I am working here in the office and I need to take a break, I will sing to myself, take a break, take a break. <laughs> in, in the tune of trick or treat. <laughs> yes, this is very true. So, yeah, I guess this would be the most nostalgic. So I guess it's a it's a good pick for uh, the, the criteria we put for this episode. Would you recommend trick or treat? Eh. I, I, it is the weakest recommend for me. Mm. I'm like, if you like the other two, then th- this one's a good one to put on, too. Um, it's not the strongest. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely, like... It's got good color. It's, like, the only spooky cartoon that Disney did in the 50s, you know, uh, of this era. Because, like, there's definitely a 50s, you know, the music, the style, you know, the things that Disney was doing. Uh, yeah. It represents that era really well. You, know. you want to see the origin of uh, trick or treating in America? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it kind of it, it captures the moment of, of America at that time too. You know, what were Americans doing Halloween of 1952? Putting um, firecrackers in their nephews' candy boxes. They were learning how to trick or treat. Maybe that's why Donald was so horrible because he was just exposed to trick or treat, <laughs> and he thought it was a choice that he had. <laughs> I've wanted to get these little rascals for the longest time. It's it was his purge night. <laughs> he used to get all his aggression out. <laughs> but what did the world think? I uh, don't have a lot. I have a review from Holiday Film Reviews. They said this short is a delight, and I don't feel like it's Halloween until I've seen it at least once. <laughs> but it came out on Christmas. No, this one came out in October. Oh right. So you know, <laughs> someone recommended it. Yeah. I I like a weekly recommend. It's yeah. pretty good. It's fun. Um, and the legacy of Trick or Treat. I got a few things. Trick or Treat has been featured in several Disney programs over the years, including The Mouse Factory, Mickey's House of Villains, hmm. and nearly every home video release of The Black Cauldron since 2000 for some reason. Wow. Yeah, I'm like, this short was paired with The Black Cauldron more than once That's for weird. some reason. You don't like either of those things. <laughs> I don't like the Black Cauldron. You don't. You know, this, this short's better than the Black Cauldron. <laughs> Disneyland Records produced an audio adaptation of Trick or Treat that was narrated by Ginny Tyler. This version was 12 minutes long and also included a song and story from the Haunted Mansion Disneyland attraction. Oh, okay. A print adaptation of Trick or Treat by Carl Barks, the good duck artist, was published uh, in the Donald Duck comic book. Barks was given a storyboard of the film while production of the film was still in progress and was asked to create a 32-page comic adaptation. Barks, believing that he did not have enough material, created new characters such as Smorgie the Bad, a villainous eight-armed ogre serving Witch Hazel. Oh, wow. When the final project was sent to the publisher, Barks' segment with Smorgie was rejected. Oh, wow. And the story was cut to 27 pages to fill out the rest of the comic book. Barks created an additional story called Hoblin Goblins. <laughs> the original story was later restored with the publication of the Carl Barks Library. Sweet. Barks' comic adaptation spawned two sequel stories decades later, one called Too Late for Christmas, 1994, and The, the Poorest Duck in Duckburg in 1995. Oh. Hazel the Witch returns in both stories. Huh. Hazel has also appeared in various Italian Disney comics, which she is known as... Nicciola, which is which is Italian for hazelnut. Cute. And has reportedly become quite popular. Huh. She has also appeared in the television show Walt Disney Presents and the film Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, she was in there. And finally, Disney's Witch Hazel 
was, according to animator Chuck Jones, the direct inspiration for the Looney Tunes character Witch Hazel, <laughs> also voiced by June Foray. Well. So after she voiced this witch in a Disney short, years later, she would voice a similar character named Witch Hazel in a Looney Tunes short. Wow. So yeah, Witch Hazel has met both Donald Duck and Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Donald and Daffy. And that is Trick or Treat, and that is the end of uh, our Halloween spooktacular. Runners up? Did we <laughs> choose a winner? Uh, you won. I won. Yeah, Community won. Absolutely. Yeah, I was like, I love these Disney shorts, but yeah. Community's better. Like, epidemiology is smarter, more yeah. fun. Yeah. It's just snappy. It's good. It's, <laughs> it's clever. It is. Yeah. Those Disney shorts, they're important, mm -hmm. and they're fun. Like They're very, like, pure. There's, like, yeah. there's a purity to them, but sure. yeah. <laughs> the community is not pure. No. Considering uh, how it ends with uh with no. <laughs> Chang and, and Shirley. But uh yeah. You win this right. honorary episode. Thank you. Uh yeah, runner do we have runners up? I mean my runner up would be um over the garden wall. Over the garden wall, yeah. That Same. Maybe next year we'll just do a couple episodes from that. <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, like yeah. My runners up I think maybe probably like SpongeBob, mm -hmm. the, the Halloween episode of SpongeBob, the Invader Zim special yeah uh that's that's really it yeah uh hope star runner yeah <laughs> so that's that uh plugs plugs you can, hi you can follow the show on twitter and on instagram at media mate show uh you can follow our podcast on your podcast platform of choice give us a review five stars all good thank you you can buy us a coffee on coffee.com that's ko-fi.com slash media made uh, so if you want to, you know, throw some money our way, buy us a coffee, you can do that. Send us yeah. five bucks. Appreciate it. Thank you. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Rod the Master, where I will probably share more video game content than anything else. I host a YouTube show called Keep Kayfabe. That's K-A-Y-F-A-B-E. We are following the careers and characters of our favorite professional wrestlers. Uh, we just put an episode about uh, Cobra from WCW up there. So... Look out for that. And I write for a video game website called ZeldaDungeon.net. So if you like The Legend of Zelda, that, that's probably another spooky runner-up is freaking the spooky areas from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. Oh, yeah. The Shadow Temple scared the pants off me as a little kid. <laughs> yeah. It's like the the, the, scare, the most exacerbated my uh, my fear of the dark for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, I write about Zelda on this website. So yeah. check that out. If you want to find me, I'm a little bit less cool. I don't do a bunch of things. I only do one extracurricular thing, and that is uh, I have a YouTube, Taming Tales on YouTube, where I am currently just vlogging, but I plan to get some stories up for a lot of different things. So if you want to check me out, you can find me on YouTube under Taming Tales. And if you want um, to find us even more easily without remembering all these things, in the description below, you can find our link tree that will have all of these things for you to easily click. <laughs> Nice. Anyway, we're going to close out our episode today with Spooky Scary Skeletons by <laughs> Andrew Gold. I feel like if I didn't play it, someone would get mad. So, yeah, we're going to close out with Spooky Scary Skeletons. <laughs> All right. And uh, anyway, oh, also, I should mention um, this episode comes out October 31st, Halloween night, day, Halloween morning. Halloween. We already put an episode out in October. Mm -hmm. That was our 2001 TV episode. Uh, this Halloween episode will count as our November episode. There will be no other episodes in November. Yes. We'll be back in December 
with another seasonal show. Yeah. So look forward to uh, our holiday episode. (laughs) And after that, in the new year, we'll be back with our regularly scheduled programming, our movies of 2002. Yeah. But for now, kids, remember, don't let anyone dictate the kind of Dracula you want to be. Scary skeletons are silly.